What's up guys? Welcome to the MMA on point live chat. We've got a new look. We've changed things around. It's a new year, hopefully a much better year. God damn. Is that the way you should start off a podcast by immediately cursing? Um, anyhow, uh, yeah, I really appreciate everyone for joining us today. Super stoked to be back. Today is going to be a super, super chill day. We uh, prepared kind of the new look for this stuff, and we just want to chat with you guys today. So we're not going to go into too many segments or anything like that. It's just going to be focused on hanging out with you guys. So introductions, you guys know me, Jason, co-owner of the channel. We got our boy Lawton running everything behind the scenes. How you doing, Lawton? Happy New Year, everyone. I'm doing good, man. Good to be back. Had a little bit of a few days off, enjoying it, and back to work we go. Enjoying me. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? How's your New Year been so far? <sighs> All right. <laughs> that was a very exasperated sigh. Honestly, like <sighs> we were talking about this right before we started. Let me introduce, uh, and we'll kind of get into that chat a little bit and see how it's been. Uh, Pizzi is also joining us. Pizzi Carroll, our big, our big boy here, Hello. who's too good for this channel, who's done way too many cool That's things to somehow be working with us. I don't know how we scored this dude. What's up, Pizzi? How are you guys? Happy New Year. And that's complete lies. I am in beautiful company here and you are guiding me into a new era of technology slowly but surely. Next week, I hope to learn how to charge my phone. It's going to be a big one. All right. You were relieved of your duties now. Uh, we got the quote that we finally wanted that we can use now to attract better talent than you actually. Uh, no, dude. <laughs> There's no such thing. No, like uh, we've actually joked is sometimes we'll have meetings like PT's worked for basically everybody uh, that is reputable. You know, you've written for ESPN, MMA fighting. It's just insane. The people that you worked with. I know you've done some work with BT Sport and there's some things that you're probably working on that we can't talk about behind the scenes. So we'll just say it that blanketly. But like... <laughs> I remember we were making a joke one day because you were writing a script and I was like, yeah, just get it back to me um, and I can possibly give you some edits. I used to work at Target, so I could probably help you out quite a bit because that's my background compared to yours. <laughs> no, it's actually really helpful, to be honest, because it's a different thing completely that you guys are doing, you know, so it's it's a completely new thing I'm learning how to do. So, like, I really need that, to be honest. I'm not, I don't want you to stop uh, editing my stuff anytime soon. It's a different buzz completely over here you know but that's what it's all about doing new things and that's why i think you guys are the most exciting thing that's happening in mma at the moment because it's completely different and i know your listeners feel exactly the same way that's what i'm talking about well yeah man uh so we were talking about kind of like how the new year's been i know a lot of people are here just to talk mma talk but we're 360 degree people we exist outside of just mma talk yeah i mean honestly i've been feeling like tons of burnout lately like I, I love every second of doing this stuff, but like, I don't know. I need to probably take you, some days off at the end of this week. Cause you're you don't need to dedicate, like, you don't need to dedicate every second to it. You know, give yourself at least 10 off a day. I'd say, you know, Troy, that's your new year's resolution. 10 seconds off a day, I think should be the way you go from now on forward. Yeah, you're probably right about that. One thing I've been trying to do is just like in between things, like I got a, a, a stationary bike, just go on that for like even just like 10 minutes in between things just to split things up a little bit. But yeah, like I'm sure anybody else that's owned a business and they love what they do, you, you almost feel like wrong when you're not working on it. It almost feels like, I don't know, kind of like in college when you're supposed to be doing homework. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Like, it, it, it's just always like a weight on your shoulders and it's the best thing ever. Like, I love it, but uh, it's always a line and I'm sure anybody who owns a business can totally relate. So. Always more of a crammer. 
I was definitely more of a crammer. Let's all do it in the space of six hours and see what happens. That was that was my methodology. That's pretty brilliant. I can use a bit of that. Because, <laughs> I mean, dude, we, we will cram. So, like, I hope it, it, let me know what you guys think about the new graphics for the show. Uh, they, they're not that much different. You know, it's not like crazy. We wanted to have some semblance of what it used to look like. But, you know, with the intro video, the thumbnail, you know, the new logo for it. I mean, we worked on that for a ridiculous I think it looks cool. <laughs> My opinion, I think it's fabulous. Well done, boys. I, I think it's fabulous. You're my boy. You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> well, um, shout out to gold. the chat we here. that gold mug. Oh, yeah. Look at that gold mug. Yeah, we got yours coming, man. We ordered you one. And uh, it's still in London, by the way. It takes forever to ship outside of the U.S. It takes so long. Uh, so hopefully we'll get you one next week. That's fingers crossed. Tom probably robbed it. Next week. If it's in London, Tom has it, I'd say. He's holding a ransom in his house. Tom Ransom is holding it ransom at his house, dude. You know... See what I did there? There is a synergy there with his name that just... It's like hidden in plain sight. You just know it has to be true. But uh, yeah, let's let's dig into the chat a little bit. Um, enough with kind of the... Uh, you know, who cares about us, you know? Enough about your friend I for do. one minute. Uh, so let's move it over to... I'm actually... There it is. Okay. Missing the super chats on my computer here instead of just hey. looking at your screen. All Look right, so Nicola Learning Technology. Ooh, shout outs to that. Nicola Maxwell gives us two dollars. Let's go lot in the goat. You got Ooh. some fans, brother. Me and Nicola, we go way back. We go way back about three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> the real MVP. Yeah, uh, how do you say your name? Nicola. There I'm we assuming. go. Nicola, please correct me if that is wrong. Yeah, that would be hilarious if it was Nicola. Because <laughs> that's how we did yeah, say that before. That's what I said for like the first month because I'm a stupid American that can't read. Hey, man, reading is hard. Uh, it I'm, is. American Jiu-Jitsu, Armenian Jiu-Jitsu, you're always switching up your names between <laughs> platforms. Good to see you in the chat. $2, Better Diamond, Dustin Poirier, Ric Flair. Woo. Getting random comments today, man. Um, well, definitely Dustin Poirier. Actually, not a Ric Flair fan. Held that up. Uh, so I'll just say that. Woo, down, down, baby. All right, so <laughs> let's move it on. Uh, beyond the controversial topics such as Ric Flair, what do you think about the Usman versus Burns fight? So this is a question both to you, Pizzi, and a question to the chat. Put out your thoughts. Who do you think is going to win this fight, chat? Uh, but, yeah, let's get your, your general thoughts on this. What, what do you think? It's February 13th, just been announced for. Yeah, I mean, I think that Gilbert has blazed the trail through the division as soon as he got a chance. Um, he's really stepped up to the plate. He's beaten some really good guys, but I think this is a, a much bigger step up. Usman's gone from strength to strength as a champion. Like, I mean, on his ascent before he fought for the title, I know he was undefeated, but he did, he wasn't setting the world on fire. But he really has since he got the belt around his waist. He's approached it with that championship vigor. I think he's looked amazing. Um, I think Burns threatens him in different ways. He has one-punch knockout power like Masvidal had, but let's not forget Masvidal came in on short notice. Mm. And uh, he's fantastic on the ground. Uh, I think we've seen more striking out of Usman lately. Um, and I think he'll probably want to keep this fight standing because um, Gilbert's so gifted on the ground. But then again, top position is king. If he can wrestle him to the ground and stay in top position, I think he'll be able to stay reasonably safe. So uh, I think the ground is going to be won as he usually is by who who has top position. But uh, the striking one is certainly interesting because a big wallop from Gilbert could change everything for Usman. 
Yeah. Um, I think I have a similar kind of take to you on the idea of who's on the top because we've seen Usman up against Maya. You know, it's it's not like, oh, the bottom game has got him subbed in the past. He generally does pretty good if he's on the top, so he should be fine, you know. But obviously Gilbert will threaten like crazy from there. But if Gilbert's on top, that's a different story. <laughs> then he's in the attacking position, and that really changes things up. Let's see what the chat is saying. Um, what are people just... All right, somebody's just spamming that they like cabbage. I don't even know what that means. I probably <laughs> said something wildly offensive. Cabbage Carrera? Kea? Well, no, because he was American. Oh, yeah. So Carrera. <laughs> the, the heavyweight that got knocked out by everyone, including... He got... Actually, he didn't get knocked out. He had a really good chin. He got knocked out by Tank Abbott, though, which was the shocker because it was like 2006 when that happened. But uh, what, what what's the cabbage meme about? I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with Ireland. We like uh, ham and cabbage, um, but I don't know if that's what they're going for. But isn't it the Usman and um, okay. Gilbert thing? Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it a bit like Gaethje and so Habib, random. like where where it was always going to be about top position to a certain degree? Like everyone was saying, like oh, Gaethje's resting, he'll be able to stuff his takedowns, which he couldn't. But I was like, it's only going to be interesting if we see Habib mm-hmm. on the bottom because it's very rare that we get to see him there. Like, I mean, back in the deep out days, maybe and things like that. But it's so rare, um, and we never got to see it. So that's that would be the most interesting thing that could happen in that fight, seeing Gilbert get top position with, with a good amount of time left in a round, I think that would be really compelling. Yeah. Um, so I finally found what the chat has to say about this as well. Uh, Bellico says, Usman is who he's got. James M has burns. Uh, JT, JTVO has burns. That's the Ooh. coffee coming up. Um, Dane Haim uh, has burns as well. Usman, it's really split from what I'm seeing here. Alex Gronowski, Usman cage control. Very fair um, kind mm. of shout there. Amador says Usman uh, burns subs uh, Usman late in the fourth. Interesting. Wow. I think put money on that. Naughty. Yeah, put money on it, guys. It's really interesting to see what you guys say. Uh, Waleed says, I only comment on live video so I can get a reply from Mimi on point. So there you go. I read your comment. I knew what you wanted, and I gave it to you. Don't say we don't give our community anything here. Um, <laughs> I've realized that we're actually on normal latency. We... <laughs> We keep having problems with YouTube. We should have been on ultra low latency, but we'll get that fixed next week. So it might be a little slow in your responses here, but we'll try to get to them eventually. But yeah, I think, um, so what was your actual prediction? Are, are you comfortable with making a prediction at this stage? Who do you actually think is going to win it? Because I've got a prediction. I'm curious to see what yours is. Um, I think Guzman beats him by decision. Mm. I think that's a safe bet to make. I, I, like, I just feel close? like, you know, they're so evenly matched. Um, it could be one of those close fights in terms of the action is close, but it's 50-45. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it's it, like, I, I think Usman's got that kind of championship thing where he knows how to win. He knows how to pull out a round. Um, he has a good method to his madness. And he, if he sticks to that, it's very hard to beat him. He's hugely physical. Um, like, I mean, his physicality, like, he's so big. And I think that was notable against Jorge Masvidal. And again, against Gilbert, he's fighting a guy who's coming up from 55. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that size is going to really hold him in good stead in that fight. 
Yeah, um, he's got such a strength advantage on virtually everyone in the division. It's just unreal. And Gilbert Burns, obviously, is 155-er who moved up to 170. And obviously, he's bulked up, too. So he's big, kind of like, you know, Masvidal has become for the weight class. But even still, you know, they'll get muscled around. I think it was interesting. So when we talked to Stephen Thompson, he was actually saying Michael Chiesa moving up. Obviously, 155-er, he cuts down from 210 which is just real how big that is. I mean, that's like middleweight, uh, a lot of a lot of middleweights. So I think Yoel and Costa, when they fought, they fought in California. In California, they actually get your day of weigh-in as well. Uh, so they don't just weigh you in for just to hit 185. They'll actually get you on the day of the fight to see how much you balloon up with water weight. And they were around 210 to 215. So that's like crazy. Of course, they're probably like 225, even, you know, just by the end of the night. But it just shows you how much of a weight cut that is. And um, for Usman, I'd say man, Izzy. you just have to wonder. I'd say, I'd say Izzy's going to be about 210, cutting to 205 when he goes with the low heavyweight. Like, I mean, I don't think his More cut to middleweight is crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. He definitely would be one of the more natural guys for sure. I feel like the only reason, so get your thoughts on this too as well, chat. I feel like the reason that most people cut down, the biggest reason is because of wrestlers. I mean, it started mm-hmm. in MMA specifically with Tito, who brought it over from collegiate wrestling, which is you know where this all came from in the first place, the genesis of it all. But it's really just kind of interesting to think about because – Outside of wrestlers, I mean, is it really that big of a problem? Do you mind giving up 20 pounds to somebody who's a striker? Not necessarily. You know, you look at, obviously, there's a big skill differential between Conor McGregor and Mayweather, but Mayweather was literally eating burgers the day before their fight just to show that he wasn't cutting an ounce, that that's what his actual walk-around weight was, going up against the bigger guy, who he did have, you know, would they fight at 154 because that's the actual boxing weight class? Um, but it just shows how much different it is for a striker as opposed to a wrestler. And so what's the reason to really cut? It's because wrestlers will control you. They'll be the ones that move it into their range and their space. I mean, how many times have we seen uh, strikers, you know, just kind of matador the bigger guy and still win? I mean, that goes all the way back to Muhammad Ali fighting Frazier and Frazier just being a massive behemoth heavyweight and Ali just rope-a-doped him, you know, a legendary fight. So it's really interesting to think about in um, as it relates to this case for Burns, obviously it works out really well for him being a grappler as well. But there's always a grappling advantage, I say, from a, a, a pure positional advantage. Always, I almost always put that on the wrestler. It's just can they get it towards a submission from those positions? And usually that happens when there's a skill differential. I almost feel like the strength advantage is akin to, you know, going back to the, you know, David versus Goliath fights they used to put on, you know, like Minowa Man uh, versus, I don't know, did he fight Hong Man Choi? I feel like he fought anybody that was big. And Genki Sudo and Butterbean. And Butterbean, yeah. Um, um, uh, um, Yarborough, who did he fight? I can't remember. Yarborough had the biggest skill differential or size differential, which was also coincidentally the biggest skill differential. I mean, it goes back to the the first famous UFC fight, which was Gerard Gordeaux versus Taylor Tooley. Massive size difference, but the skill differential just wasn't there. Sumo just unfortunately never parlayed itself very well into MMA. Uh, Akabono, we just got done talking about that too. 
it's um like uh, the point that whoever made it earlier about the the cage the the kind of wrestling on the fence that's probably the most draining thing mm. because it's going to build up a load of lactic acid quick and if Usman's the bigger man and he can pin him against the fence it's just absolutely exhausting it's not really a takedown thing it's just kind of imposing your will on someone making someone constantly uncomfortable making them work uh, you see Habib doing it all the time too it's just utterly draining like we've seen Gaethje fight five rounds we've seen him look so good against Tony late on but when you have someone in your face constantly suffocating you're constantly making your work um, and, and he's conditioned to do that like Habib has been since he's a kid as Usman has been since he's a kid it, it becomes very very difficult for a smaller man to live in that world yeah, absolutely. That strength advantage, I mean, it just really becomes... Um, I mean, it, it, at some point, strength just outweighs a lot of things when you're in a strength territory, when you're grappling. I mean, there's just... what You got enough skill to go along with it, and you got a ton of strength. It's like, well, what can you even do to that, you know? By the way, somebody well, think, correct um, me. It was not uh, Frazier. I said Frazier. I meant to say Foreman. That fought oh. Thank you for the correction. That was from B Purple Poker. Sorry about that, but continue well, on. Sorry. But um, I I think Gilbert Gilbert Burns has more one shot stopping power than Usman though. I think I'd give him that much. Whatever, mm-hmm. like I think he has in one punch, like he has more chances of stopping Usman than Usman has of stopping him. Yeah, that's a tough one because Usman does have a knockout cold, um, you know, KO on his record. Uh, oh I yeah, he, against a Brazilian dude. It was a Brazilian guy. Um, uh, I love him. UFC career. Early on, what was that guy's name? Was it the, his old? Was, it wasn't was, Worley, was it? Worley Alves? No, no. Uh, let me uh, let me pull up records. Actually, can you pull that up for us? Look up Kamar Usman's record and pull that up on the 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 YouTube scene. I was shocked by that knockout at the time because I hadn't seen Usman do it. And I thought this guy, the guy who fight, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. He's a great grappler. I was thinking he's going to have his number on the ground, and then he just went out and KO'd him. So. Pull it up. Oh, sorry. There's just such a big delay. I was looking yeah, at the wrong like, screen. Like, you already had it pulled up. My bad. We're about to be going. Um, so we're trying to find his KO. So it was Sergio Mirai. That's who it was. That's who so it was, yeah. Look for the KO. Scroll scroll up. Scroll up. Look for KO. Nope. Where the hell? Oh, my God. Right there you go. Me. Eyes. Um, yeah, and zoom in on that just so the audience can see it. Might as well. That way it looks decent for them. Um Command plus is your shortcut for that, by the way. Uh, but yeah, so Ooh. it does show that he does have one punch, one hitter quitter kind of power. Obviously, you know, we're looking at the Maya fight that happened this year. He almost, I mean, when you look at the the fight, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this in the wake of this fight being announced. Uh, the third time's a charm, I guess. But Woodley obviously almost got finished by Burns. That never happened once in their fight when it was Usman versus Woodley. But going as the challenger, maybe you're playing it a little bit safer. There wasn't necessarily a title on the line. Maybe you're taking more risk. There could be a, a million factors. Who knows? Maybe Usman could have landed a punch in that fight, and it just never But the decline of Woodley, the Woodley decline has been all after that Usman fight. Like He True. looked like a different guy um, for his whole career up until the 95 Usman, and since then there's been a steady decline. You know, that's why you got to like take it with a pinch of salt. Burns has went over at Woodley. Like, um, like who else is who else is Gilbert be- beaten as welterweight? Uh, Damian Maya too, right? And is there anyone else? So there was Damian Sorry, Maya. There was three this year, I believe. So uh, look up uh, Gilbert Burns' record. 
Yeah, By the he, way, he's fought three, you're right. But I can't remember who the third guy is. I think it was Woodley, Maya, and someone else. Yeah, so uh, Woodley, Maya, and Gunnar Nelson. Well, Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, wild. that was at 170, yeah. So actually four. So he actually had um, Alexi Concheco as well, so four. I forgot about that because it's almost like Far we, we have jump. recency bias with 2020. Everything's so fresh in what's happened in the last you know year or so, but... We're going back almost two years now, going to August, a year and a half or so. Why did you match Shamayev with Gunny? Like, I just thought that was such a natural fight to do. Uh, a grappler v. grappler. Like, let's see. Like, Gunny's a great grappler, there's no doubt about it. Like, mm-hmm. Maya's the only person that's really handed him his arse in that sense. Um, like, I thought it would have been a great measuring stick for him. But I do love the Edwards fight when it's eventually going to happen. But, you know, I'm pretty sure Edwards would have ran through Woodley um, on the back of the Usman loss, considering how he's looked, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, my prediction, uh, so based on all of this information, my prediction is actually Burns, just because I <gasps> think he has the striking differential, and I think he'll threaten enough on the ground to where Usman might want to stay away from that. He's just in danger everywhere it goes. Actually, i probably pick Gilbert Burns, no joke, over anyone else in the division right now, just because I think he's, I think he's so well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I felt like Leon... If Leon had a fought Burns, that would have been a crazy fight. Ooh. Like as in, like I think Burns, like I I don't like that fight with Leon at all. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're dead right. I, I think the only person I guess of the question mark about is Usman because he's looked he's looked exceptional since he came up to 170. Let's be honest. I don't know. I mean, he must be kicking himself for the amount of years he spent depleting himself significantly to fight at 155. Yeah. You know. Yeah, talk about best weight class changes. You know, we've done videos like that in the past, but I mean, it's almost ready for an update with all the people that have moved up and just had way better careers as a result of it. And there's no better example than that. Uh, Oliveira is that way too, because he's fought at 155 quite a bit, but he was at 145 for a couple of years. He notably got subbed by Anthony Pettis there, and he went back up to 155, and it was just the best thing he's ever done is to go back up. It was because he was so young, though, when he came into the UFC. I can remember he was 155 in his first fight, but he was long and so thin. And you were like, this guy has to go down to featherweight. And then he, he just kept missing weight all the time. He had I think. <laughs> so, um, I, I look, he looks great at 55 now, for Christ's sake. I mean, and uh, we're going to really find out uh, how good he is in his next fight, I guess. Real quick, man. Well, let's read a couple super chats here. Um, let's see. Uh, Nakul Yadav gives us $40 in his currency. You think Bisbing beat Henderson the second time? Um, I think he slightly beat Henderson, yeah. I gave it to him. I think it was that, close. I mean, it, it, it's one of those fights. We've talked about this before. It's one of those fights that calls into question scoring criteria. Because mm. if you watch a street fight, you remove rules, any contextual implications of you know, regulation or anything like that. You look at that fight, you look at both of them afterwards, who won that? It's like a street fight. You know, we I've used this analogy a bunch of times. If you see somebody in a street fight, they're they're being taken down. You know, somebody's maybe learned some grappling, some jujitsu, maybe they're a high school wrestler. They take down the guy who's fighting them and then they eventually get up. You know, it might be after 10 minutes or something. You know, there are no breaks. Of course, there are no rounds in a street fight. The guy gets up, clocks him one time. He falls down on his ass, and then they continue fighting on the ground for maybe a minute longer before their friends break it up. There's no definitive end. Nobody got officially knocked out, but I think most people in that street fight scenario would say it's the person who knocked down the other person that won the fight because in any other context other than scoring up, uh, uh, 
scoint, uh, point scoring. I just combined both words. In any other context, aside from that, people are scoring damage. It, they're not scoring in, a, in an official sense, but they're just like, oh, yeah, that guy won the fight. He, he bruised him up. He knocked him down and almost KO'd him. And, and, and he was on top. So if you uh, bring that over to an MMA fight, so let's say you have two 10-minute rounds where somebody's been taken down, and in the third round somebody gets clocked and they're almost unconscious as a result of it, that's what... So pride used to score in its totality and, you know, regulated, you know, American, you know, rule sets based on boxing. It's going round by round. And so if you judge it by the pride scoring, this being absolutely awesome, if you judge it by actual point scoring, which is what the current system is, then he deserved to win. It's like... Was the new criteria in then as well when there was more liberal 10-8s? Because I don't think there was, was it? No. Yeah. So you could have argued one of those rounds could have been a 10-8. So you could yeah, have argued absolutely. that. I actually had a, a really long discussion with a buddy of mine because he was like, that should have been a 10-8. And I was like... Because I remember that round. So it was the last minute of whichever round that was. It might have been the fourth round. I can't remember which round it was specifically. But for four minutes of that round... Bisbing was controlling the action, scoring and handily winning the fight. And then Henderson landed a bomb in the last minute. And by the end of it, Bisbing was actually back up and continuing to fight and scoring again. So for me, that wasn't a 10-8. It might have been under the new rules, but back then it certainly wasn't. It's. Uh, I can tell you, as as a as someone who was there covering that event live, it was absolute torture because it was one of those crazy <laughs> events. It was one of those events that, like, uh, they actually staged it at US time in Europe. So it was UFC mm. 204, I believe, in Manchester. Yes. And uh, we were there. We were there. At, I think the main event must have started at five o'clock in the morning. So it was an absolute disaster. It was. Um, it was really torturous. Like I remember, all the US media were there for it because it was a pay per view too, and they were just they were just an absolute. Ah, oh, it was it was really one. Of, I, I taught my uh, colleague Noel McGrath was uh, going to have a heart attack. He drank so much coffee. He literally <laughs> stood there. Like, he was like at the corner. He's just like... And then we had to get our friends to bring us to the airport. And I was, I was sitting beside him going like, no, I think you're literally going to have a cardiac arrest here. Like, this is this is very, very terrifying. But he lived uh, to see the next day, which is great. But um, yeah, absolutely horrific event to cover. Dude, Niall, you know, I was praying for you just now. I had your back. So... <laughs> That's He'll tell like you himself, man. Adventure. It was Jesus. sick. It, yeah. Watch your coffee intake, guys. <laughs> yeah, watch your coffee intake. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, actually, Tom was there for that event because uh, that was back in the day that we were both working for What Culture, and What Culture actually oh. got credentialed for that event. So he was there with, um, oh, what was his name? He's a pro wrestler in Scotland. Uh, Joe Hendry, Joe Hendry. So they went there come to on. cover it. Yeah, come on. He, they were telling <laughs> me that it's like the only thing that was keeping them up was the fear that Bisbing was about to get knocked out because every time Henderson would throw a big punch, they'd be like, "Oh shit, he's gonna lose. He's gonna lose." First British champion. We want him to do well, you know. Um. So yeah, uh, pretty ironic that you were actually there for that. Um. Let's move on to some of these other comments. Um, I do think Bisbing won, to, to put finality on that, I think he won under the current rules, uh, or then at the time. Maybe you could have argued Henderson would have had a 10-8, would have been a draw as a result, but I gave it to Bisbing. Uh, Flying Grayson, $5. What happened to Tom? So that's actually a good segue into a 4 story. He has died, guys. No, I think... Um, <laughs> 
it was just kind of a natural thing once we brought PT on. Everything is being controlled production-wise. So I think once we get into a studio environment, Tom will be back into the fold. We kind of want to do, so this is the throwback to your former employer and to anybody who's been watching MMA for a while. It's been a couple of years now. But we would love to do an MMA beat style show on a weekly basis. So when we get moved into a studio and, you know, once we're, you know, COVID's over and stuff like that, you know, of course, PT, we're, I don't know what we're going to do with you because you could literally do anything for us. We could have you on the road doing documentary type kind of stuff. We could have you do it all. events. Yeah, I think all of it. So sometimes you'll be doing the beat with us, whatever we end up calling that. Other weeks you'll be out covering something, but we'll have, you know, Tom more involved. It's just while it's set up here in America and we have all the gear here and everything set up, it's just hard to include three people. So um, I Tom wants to call it. Tom wants to call it MMA feet uh, on account of his uh, insatiable foot fetish. He's told me that <laughs> twice. <laughs> I'm deadly serious. It's just looking at MMA fighters' feet. That's all it is. It's just just Tom hard reacting. Day, that's what he likes. Just a real yeah. hard training day, man. <laughs> hard in more than one way. Um, he wants some sweaty. Yeah, let's the move on to this topic real quick. <laughs> Armenian Jiu-Jitsu gives us $2 prediction for the 92 Royal Rumble. Who actually did win that one? Hacksaw Jim Duggan won the one like 89, right? That was like the first Gildam one. Gildama Warrior, the greatest wrestler who ever lived. My there dad. <laughs> AKA my father. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll give it to the Ultimate Warrior. That's my prediction. Um, do you know what I used to wear uh, tassels to school? Like, do you know like, the Ultimate <laughs> no Warrior way. hat? Yeah, I was obsessed with them. Yeah, oh, no I had a jacket way. with a lot of tassels. I used to come in and be like, Dah! yeah. I was you would just run everywhere. You just have like yeah. a. You'd have like a Sony Walkman, like it, because that's all we had back as kids was a cassette tape. You just have that like connected to like one of those shitty like little speakers that was even in battery powered, and you just have like the entrance theme. So anytime class would be over, dun. Dun dun dun! <laughs> Savage, <laughs> but he's so cool. With the tag, like, yeah. I, I used to like, to, I used to try and like, tie, like get a lot of t- shoelaces and try to put them around my biceps because I thought like if you put them on, it would make you really muscular. Unfortunately, didn't really work out in a five-year-old body. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was tough for me to grasp that. It really was. <laughs> Who knew, dude? I thought that would work like wonders. And yeah, when, he, when he when he left, when he left, to put it around like right there makes the yes. biceps oh, look bigger. Yeah, you have guns, though. Guys, I, I still guys. don't have. It's just fast. Yeah. Boy, um, I actually stopped watching wrestling when he left, like, because we could only watch WWF in um, Ireland or whatever. So when he left, I just stopped. It was that's the end of my relationship with wrestling. <laughs> it was. I'm not even messing. You made a good call. You made a right. You made the right choice. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm strictly a '90s guy. I can't watch it. I I think it's torture to watch it today. Um. Charles Stralo, happy Wednesday, boys. Which champ do you think is going to have the worst title defense next year? Well, I just predicted Burns would win, but that doesn't necessarily make it the worst. I do. Jesus Christ, these super chats. We need to start catching up. That's a good Um, question. Yeah. So I think it's probably between them and I've said this before. I'll say it again. I haven't learned my lesson from the first Stipe Ngannou fight. I think Ngannou slays him. I, I just think it happens. He's getting older now, and uh, Ngannou is you know the younger guy I, who I do think has learned from his mistakes. We haven't necessarily seen it demonstrated, and I think that's a worthy criticism. We haven't seen him taken down. He knocked out the two wrestlers, the two great wrestlers he fought, Cain Velasquez and Blades, without ever hitting the mat. So it's 
I understand that people get pissed when I say that, but I'm going to tell you what I think, guys. Uh, so my I think thoughts, it's Jan Blahovic. Oh, oh yeah, versus Izzy, of course. Yeah, I think it got it. Like, and the way, like you know, there's so much on the line for Izzy in that fight. The uh, pull like up Izzy. the rankings. Let's ta- let's have a look at the rankings here, so we can have a nice like, you know, uh, bird's eye view of this. So continue, sorry. I think if like Izzy wasn't going up, he'd be safe enough. But I think everything is on the line for Izzy in that fight. As in the John Jones fight is really on the line uh, when Izzy takes on Jan. So I feel like it's a must win, and I feel like he's very capable of beating Jan. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the most dodgy one at the moment. When is that fight? Is it February or March? Uh, March, right? I don't know the yeah, exact I think so. date. Uh, someone else in the chat can help us out with that. But yeah, like um, I definitely see Jan losing that fight as well. I mean, dude, like talk about somebody else I haven't learned my lesson about. Jan, like, torched Rockhold when everybody thought, oh, Rockhold's moving up. He's finally going to do something that's good for his career. He's going to move up. He's not cutting a ton of weight. He's a big middleweight. This would be a great move for him. He'll blow by Jan Blahovic. That's that's what the, like, not, not necessarily what you said or any of the fans in here are saying. I thought that because I was an idiot, and a lot of other people thought that. That was, like, the prevailing wisdom at the time, the conventional It was a general wisdom. consensus. Absolutely. Yes. And it went the exact opposite way. <laughs> and then so... And so did the Reyes fight. The Reyes fight, exactly. The Reyes fight was even worse. And so was the Corey mm-hmm. Anderson fight. You know, like, Corey Anderson dominated him in the first fight, took him down, controlled him. Jan was not even in that first fight for a second. He just got totally dominated with a smother in wrestling. And then Reyes, he kicked him once and practically broke his rib. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the extent of that injury was, but he kicked him once. And there was a massive well in the side of him. It's just like, dude, what do you have in your foot? What, what, did you put metal in there? Like, what'd you do? Imagine, imagine how how horrific that would be for the UFC if he just starches Izzy with that left hand as well like I mean oh, I because it's, it's like the, it's like the Lima thing we talked about with Musasi like it's just it's like you've just destroyed one of the biggest hype uh, fighters you have on the roster by letting him go up to a weight division that maybe didn't need a challenge from another weight division you know what I mean what I like about it from that perspective is Jan is I mean, he's coming out of a, an incredible country for MMA. You know, we talk about KSW all the time on here and just how much that country just loves the shit out of MMA. They have the attendance records outside of Pride. You know, it's just insane how many people have actually gone to KSW events. And because they don't speak English, it doesn't get as much coverage here, you know. And that's something that we try to put a spotlight on with our Composers Corner. And, you know, we talk about them and, uh, you know, our, our video that went up yesterday with prospects and talking about, you know, Mateusz Gamru and you know it's it's pretty interesting to think about all that stuff but i think that's the good thing yes izzy is a superstar but i think it just creates another one outside of it so i mean i the way i see it it's win-win whoever wins that fight is just gonna blow up you know you're right because i think um like right now if ufc and ksw put on an event in poland you'd have a lot more people going to ksw in poland that's just the reality of the situation. They have something that's catered to that market. Yeah. They understand the people there. And um, I think for the UFC, I mean, it's a very small territory in the, in the grand scheme of things, but I guess that would be the little victory. Way more um, publicism and uh, notoriety in that part of the world. Yeah, man. I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, like uh, if you compare the, the size of the countries, I mean, isn't it bigger than England? You know, it's bigger than the actual UK. 
Uh, it's Huge. not a massive country by any means, but it mean it has so much market share. And I don't think Poland necessarily has the same, but my God, you know, with the rabid fan base there, I feel like half the country would watch that fight, you know? Um, it will watch that fight. I think it'll just be huge. Um, and that what it also says is on the international scale, because it is there. I mean, it's, it's still international KSW. Don't get me wrong, but it is largely Polish as well. You know, Kalidov, we've talked about him a ton versus Scott Askham with that switch kick. You know, neither of those dudes are, are, are Polish by any means, but the mass, the vast majority of their stars are Polish. You know, I would say, you know, the uh, Pudnowski, you know, going back to him, Robocop, Robocop, or actually is Robocop Croatian. Croatian, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so actually, yeah, maybe maybe I'm convincing myself out of this argument as I'm going through it, but... But they actually have a big market share in Croatia around mm-hmm. the, the Balkan area there, so I mean, that that's one of the few countries they go to, so they go to Poland, they go to the UK, they've gone to Ireland once... And uh, they they they're putting a lot of effort into Croatia and stuff now on account of how big RoboCop is, you know. Yeah, that like, man, see that that is the thing about the UFC. So why do we always say I want to see that dude in the UFC? Because the bummer about it is you want to see him continue to grow this organization. Because I think KSW is dope. Like I love watching their stuff. But on the same extent, what do we really want to see at the end of the day? the best fight the best and so that's why we say the ufc because they have the large you know majority consensus roundup of fighters of any you know organization in the world and so that's kind of like the thing about it and you know who knows how things could change with this anti sean shelby stuff, is you know. is obsessed with roberto solich like i, I know mm. like he, he's tried to tap like sign him up so many times I've heard it like a lot, but Solich has just re-upped with KSW. So I feel like KSW's yeah. job now is to find compelling fights for him. Like that's all you need to do. You need to you need to get as much eyes on him as possible because this could be endgame essentially with KSW if they can't. And I think because Roberto has just gone up to middleweight, you gotta you gotta strike while the iron's hot. Make Kaladoff v robocop make the biggest fight you possibly can when we get out of this lockdown situation and uh knock everyone's socks off with that and mm. if he goes to the ufc after that at least you can say you absolutely maximized his talent you know yeah so that's going all the way back to that question tells you how good the question was where somebody uh scroll up just a little bit i actually am looking at your screen again whoops didn't learn my lesson charles straylo <laughs> he's the one that said which champ uh do you think is going to have the worst title defense this year and so we kind of outlined Jan is probably the one that's going to have the most trouble uh, but then again everyone always counts that dude out and he just kills people I love Jan Blahovich. I think he's like awesome I'm very excited for that fight because there's so much danger potential in that one it just they're both going to keep it on the feet we're not going to see a Yoel situation where Jan is just going <laughs> to do this for a full like two minutes in the first round uh, we're not going to see that and, uh, of course, Izzy's always going for the kill. So one way or another, I feel like that fight's just going to be incredible. So either way, we're not shooting on him too bad. It's just Izzy is that level of talent, and he's earned our respect. So uh, both of them have, but Izzy just has that mm, that caliber to him. Moving it on, we got a ton of super chats here. Definitely want to keep up with you guys and respect the fact that you guys are supporting us. Can we get MMA on Point logo on some hats and hoodies? Yeah, absolutely. If there's a demand for it, 100%. I mean... Yeah, we'll look into that 100%. 
Um, oh, I missed one. Bold prediction. My girlfriend, any <laughs> in jiu-jitsu. My girlfriend, Tracy Cortez. Congrats to you guys hooking up. That's great. We'll be 125-pound champion. Book that. Ooh, that's a tough weight class, man. I mean, Valentina's... It's going to be Valentina right Shevchenko. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I appreciate Valentina's going to beat your girl's ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, right? I mean, I'll put the gaff on it now. Um, that is we not actually have an interview with Tracy Cortez set up uh, tomorrow. So, uh, and you're <laughs> leading I it. I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you. You're yeah. leading it, actually. Um. Mate, are you joking me? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That's the worst weight division. Like, I mean, tell her to go up to no, 135, Amanda Nunes. Listen, your missus isn't going to be a champion of shit, mate. I'm sorry. I love you. But <laughs> it's, better off, it's better off being honest with these people. Like, I mean... So many oh people go on God. these flights of fancy. They choose ridiculous careers like me. If someone just had to put their arm around me 15 years ago and said, no, Peter, no, Peter, God knows where it could be, you know? You need to do that for your girlfriend because Valentina is is going to beat her badly. I'm sorry. Surgical brutality there, man. Just went right for the kill. I love it. Try a different promotion. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh my God, Nicola Maxwell top ten houses sold by Rage and Al. Never heard that one. <laughs> Appreciate the suggestion. We'll, we'll I love that one. It. I have a chuckle every time I say that. To be fair, I'm always like, imagine we actually did that, <laughs> dude. We really could. We really could. Um, I will just say this. I, I've always subtly hinted at this in the past. We have tried in the past, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Nathaniel Baker, uh, $4.99 Super Chat. Just want to say thanks to you and the channel for getting me into MMA and showing me the history. Also, thoughts on Keith Hackney versus Joe Son. <laughs> hey, well, at least you know your history. Going back to that one, was that UFC 5? Um, appreciate you, Nathaniel Baker. Uh, that's a big goal, you know, this channel is to try to bring in new fans and stuff like that. So it's good to have you on board, and I'm glad that you're really into it. Um, yeah, best beatdown ever, uh, specifically to the right part of the body that is now illegal, and thank God it was legal then, you know. <laughs> like, So pretty great. Well, that's up until Valentina gets her hands on your man's girlfriend, and that'll be the biggest <laughs> beat of all time. <laughs> That's a callback. That's a callback. That's a call way back. Way back. You, you guys remember when we were just talking about that? Way back. Um, Dixon Cider. We love this name. We know it's a pun. We say it anyway every time. Good afternoon, fellas. Mike Crazy Horse Perry. <laughs> is that actually what? Is that actually his nickname? Are we are we giving him the Platinum. Charles Bennett? Are we giving the Charles Bennett Crazy Horse like old nickname? Is that what people are calling him now? It makes sense because he's turning into felony Bennett pretty quick. Uh, I, I get the analogy. Is just asking to be cut with his recent antics. Also, Charles B ever beats everyone. Oh, it says it was cut off, but um, beats everyone at 155. Hashtag except Habib. I think that's the best fight. You know, I've talked about this a couple times. The best fight you could possibly do for Habib. Um, you know, I, I'm fully on board with the GSP fight. I love that fight. But I don't think GSP is going to come back, and I don't think Dana's going to set it up at this point. He might. He might. I'm all on board for it. But if he stays within 155, Oliveira is by far the best fight that you could possibly do. He's already wiped the floor with Gaethje. He's already wiped the floor with Poirier, and he's already wiped the floor with um, uh, Connor. So the three top people that are in contention, aside from Oliveira, he's already wiped the floor. So do you really want to see rematches there again? Maybe if we see them do something that shows tremendous strides on the ground. But the one person who has that in spades right now 
is already up in contention. We haven't even talked about that yet, which is Justin Gaethje versus Oliver, which is in the works. Incredible fight. It, it would be really interesting to see how that goes. I think we can jump into that in here in a second once we get caught up with these Super Chats. But that's the most compelling fight you can make by far in the division. And who is going to challenge Habib? You know, Habib might still wipe the floor with him, but at least he has a skill set that says, I can knock you out and I can also submit you and I have a great ground game, you know? Nobody else can but he's not gonna. He's not going to come out of retirement for Charles Oliveira. He just isn't. Like that. Be realistic about it. Like he's going to come out of for thirty and zero. That's what I, I, I think. I think it needs to be dangle a big, big carrot. And I'm not talking about money here. <laughs> I'm talking about it needs to be a GSP. It needs to be You're something outrageous. Carrots. Yeah, actual carrots, man. <laughs> not talking about money here. But, but it needs to be a good opponent. Like, and, and look, if Connor goes in and beats Poirier on January twenty third, like the fan base flips so quickly. They'll be like, oh, come on out of retirement. Are you afraid of Connor? Which he obviously isn't. Like, he, he destroyed no. him when they fought. Like, but it makes sense from the UFC's point of view to try and put that fight on. Like, Dana's constantly never ruling out. Habib wants to stick by uh, his word and not do it again. So I doubt that very much. But <laughs> I really feel like there'll be huge demand for that fight to happen again if Connor looks like vintage McGregor against Poirier. So I, I just asked. Uh... Uh, lot to pull up Dana White's Twitter. So this is what I always think about. And I get what you're saying. You're arguing in their stead. But keep scrolling down until you see a video of him on like a big ass yacht. There it is. Yeah, yeah. So this is what I think of uh, anytime somebody makes that argument. I know you're not saying what you want, but this is what I think of whenever I think of just like, oh yeah, it'd be great for the UFC. I don't give a fuck what's good for them. They're, they're set. <laughs> like, look at that shit right there. They are not hurting for cash. I don't give a fuck that billionaires get more billions because they're fine. They're set. It's not like it's hurting them. On one end, yes, you think it's good for Habib, but Habib is killing it. He's making money. What I want is the best fight possible selfishly as a consumer that I pay for. And so what I say is give me GSP, Gimme Oliveira or Riot. <laughs> like, yeah, but mate, this guy like couldn't stop getting what he wanted when the world had a plague going down. So I mean, <laughs> what you want and what Dana White wants are very different things. And guess who wins? Guess I who win. wins? Oh wait, okay, no, <laughs> of course. Maybe, not. maybe maybe I don't win. Um, yes, I, it's a good point. You know, I I see exactly what you're saying. Like, what does the UFC want to do and arguing for them? But I. I don't know. I'm just going to be more selfish about it and say hey, that's the funner fight. Yeah, it is. And look, if he goes in and wrecks Gaethje like he did with Tony, that could gather a lot of momentum and it could be built from there. You're right. Like that, that could change a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll see what happens. I um, Unless Connor just does something like phenomenal at this fight where like, I don't know. Like, like I almost want to see in- if, if they set up Connor. So like, let's set up stipulations where I would actually be hyped. And even then, I might not be. But let's say the perfect scenario, um, he just beats for more than two rounds because that's the criticism of Connor. Let's see him get past two rounds, not look gassed. Let's see him do some grappling. Let's see a bit of that. Let's see him move on the ground. Obviously, uh, Poirier, I, he's not 
great in terms of in comparison to B, but he's great in comparison to the rest of the roster, you know? We think of guys like Joe Duffy that he just mauled, you know? So he's good on the ground. He actually almost subbed. I, I don't care what anybody says. I think he almost subbed to Beeb. He got him down into that guillotine position. And if he would have gone for full guard, I think it would have been lights out. I think he would have choked him out. I don't think Habib would have tapped because I don't think that's his style. Um, so he is a good grappler. So setting up the most ideal situation for to be hyped about Connor, which I'm not now, but if he did take him down, he actually did something to not only hurt him on the feet, but he also spread his energy out and showed that he can go a longer pace. Even then, I don't know if I'm, I would be hyped for it, but that would be the best case scenario for it. And Oliveira, I still say in that best case scenario, beats him in terms of intrigue on who does better. Who's going to sell more dollars? I don't care because I don't make any of that money. I'm still paying goddamn $70 because of the new price. So there we go. <laughs> For absolute truth for me, none of these fights really would get me jumping up and down. Like, none of them. Like, the McGregor rematch doesn't uh, doesn't appeal to me. Uh, Oliveira isn't like, wow, I need to see this um, right now. I, I feel like he's if he walks away the way he did, it's one of the most beautiful ways to end a career in the mm. history of the sport. Yeah. And if he sets that precedent, that would be an amazing legacy on top of everything else he's done. Because... It was beautiful. It, it, the whole thing, like the, the submission, the performance, the emotional farewell, the tribute to his father. If that's the last time we see him in the octagon, I think it's a beautiful way to, to go out, to be honest. Yeah, I totally agree. This is what we want for fighters. I feel like mm. we want it so bad until it happens. Then we're like, damn it, dude. <laughs> I want to see another fight now because he looks so good. Like I want to I want to see him tested against uh, GSP. I want to see him, in my case, I want to see him tested against Oliveira. And then you got the more casual side that does want to see the Conor rematch because they, there is fun. I, I would give it so, some credence to that argument. When there is a big fight, there's a big fight atmosphere. That's fun. That's just the truth. His foot was clearly a balloon, Jason. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I was there for that fight. I'm sure you were there covering it. I was there as just an asshole watching it there. Foot didn't look I was like there as an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> just a big asshole. Um, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no, it was yeah. definitely a balloon. Medically, um, I believe he went to a doctor and he said, I'm sorry, Connor, but your foot, it's a balloon, mate. I don't know what else to tell you. And he was like, I don't care. I'm going to fight anyway. And they were like, well, that's why you're the GOAT, mate. That's why you're the greatest. What is it that um, Connor said when Aldo hurt his foot? He was like, no, no, it was actually um, RDA. He was like, oh, his pussy's hurt. Like, <laughs> that's what he called it. It's like, <laughs> is that really the route you want to go for excuses? Because, oh, my God. It's just so crazy. But anyhow, let's uh, try to get caught up on some of these. We're having so much fun talking about this stuff. That tells you how good the questions are. So, um, how would Stone Cold Steve Austin do in MMA, says E-Bando? Shit. Show you. You get walloped. Ray Jan Al's house is, though, says Nicola Maxwell. She's really harping on it today. Not that the rest of the fans aren't. Hardest fight for Izzy uh, in this order, I guess. Glover, Rakic, or Ankalaev? Oh, um, I would say Ankalaev, actually. I think, well... uh, Rakic, I put up there. And, of course, Glover's had a tremendous, you know, 2020... I say on Goliath, man. Like, I just put him on my prospects list just because I think he's great everywhere and he starches people, knocks him out. I think he's just so diverse. Um, Rakic, I think, is diverse as well. I mean, they're all diverse. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I'm going to get shit over this. Yeah, I'm going to get shit over this. Give me that shit. I'm going to get so much shit over this. One of the hardest fights for Izzy because of the way he fights. 
and because of the way the other guy fights is Darren Till okay that's what I feel <laughs> um, can because you he's not going to take him down <laughs> Darren Till decorated Muay Thai fighter by the time he was 16 dedicates his whole life to just basically counter wrestling um, doesn't generally get beat um, in striking exchanges people have to mix it up against him I think that's a very tough fight for him in middleweight I don't think he loses but I think it's one of the toughest fights in the division for him hmm. I mean I guess what you would think is like it wouldn't be a wrestler that's pretty good at striking it wouldn't be a BJJ grappler that's pretty good at striking um, in, in those cases though on Kalayev, I mean that's the great thing about Sambo I really I, I think the best base for MMA has shifted so I'm hot takes we're going for a hot takes on both ends oh, yeah, right. here. You're saying that, you know, <laughs> it's Darren Till, that's your hot take. For me, my hot take is Sambo is the best base for MMA now. It's not wrestling because Sambo is the most, I think it's the most complete uh, traditional martial art, if we can say that. It's only been around a couple hundred years, but so is BJJ. Um, the thing is, it incorporates those elements into it and combat Sambo. So I don't know how many, you know, fights necessarily our audience has seen, but what combat Sambo does is, they literally call it that for a reason. They punch, they kick, they do everything. I mean, you can see fights with Habib doing combat sambo, knocking people the fuck out cold. So it's like you're in basically a version of MMA. And I do think that there are some things like, which is why I think the triangle choke is so impressive for Habib. I've seen a lot of sambo guys get submitted by that because it's not necessarily in the traditional Sambo skill set. They'll get submitted by other things. But that's why I think it's such a good base for MMA because you've got subs, you've got striking, and you've got wrestling. You've got the biggest three bases that you can think of. Kickboxing, wrestling, and you've got BJJ. You've got you've essentially got the core elements there and for it to be a base. So I'm not saying it's the best necessarily final product. You do have to round it out just like any other martial art. But that's that's why I'm like so hot on these guys right now. And uh, obviously Habib, his striking isn't. He's not one of those Sambo guys that really developed. But Ankalaev is, and that, that's why I was kind of leaning towards him. But what do you think about it, that? Well, how, how hot was that take? I like it. Um, I like uh, what as you were saying. I was going through in my head what the errors have been. So if you go back to '93, it's obviously Jiu-Jitsu. Then I think it goes to wrestling. Then it goes to Muay Thai for a while. Mm. Then it becomes the new age where they've been training MMA since they started martial arts. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so maybe Sambo is the next one. <laughs> well, like, this is like, the generation. I feel like the, the, the argument has been wrestling this whole time. Because the thing about wrestling that you always had was, even in the you know Hoist Gracie versus Dan Severn fight, the person who was dominating that fight until the submission came into hand, obviously, who's the bigger fighter, so it should have gone that way from a natural skill set perspective. Um, but he was he was able to take it into his territory. He just didn't know how to defend it. Even in the case of um, uh, Randy Couture versus Ensign, in a way, he, he got sub by. It was still it was a deficiency in knowing what to do in that situation. But once you know to do that there is a strength advantage there is a cardio advantage a lot of times and so i think that's why that argument has been made and then you have the dan hendersons the world that develop h-bombs even though they weren't traditional strikers by any sense and you see that over and over again and i think that's why that's been considered the best pace but i think it's being usurped i think it's hey it's changing listen up listen america okay how many <laughs> champions are predominantly wrestlers in the ufc 
how many champions actually it's about 75 percent. so somebody actually did a study on this i wish i could find it Go. i would pull it up for us immediately no 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 that's not over history face. right now right now right oh, now right now so habib technically davidson figueredo no Piotr Jan, yes no, uh, arrested. Piotr Jan is not a wrestler. I'm not having that. No, no fucking way. Well, no, no. So I mean, uh, from the Sambo perspective of a grappler. So yes, not pure wrestling. But that that's going more to my point of Sambo taking over. Volkanovski, he oh. has wrestling in his background, but he's more of a striker. He's a kickboxer. Then there's Habib. Then there's Kamaru. I'll give them both wrestling. Yeah, those those two are wrestling. Uh, but yeah, it does break up from here. Is Raw Desanya certainly not? Stipe is, so that's a third. He was um, in Ohio. He was. He's a, a boxer. He became a boxer, but he's a wrestler. That's his base, and that's how he beat Ngannou, who I think is going to beat him in this one. Um, I'd see we, that. We got Jan, who's clearly a kickboxer. Izzy's clearly a kickboxer. Amanda Nunes, she's uh, more of a BJJ slash striker. She kind of kickboxer. Wei Lee, she's got a wushu background. Uh, she does have tremendous grappling as well, but I would say she's more of a stand-up fighter that develops skills. I mean, maybe simultaneously. Maybe she, maybe you could even argue it's even, but not a wrestler. Valentina, definitely not a wrestler. And then, yeah, so Nunez was still at featherweight as well. Point made. Point made. So, so we got three. Well, who, who's the most from a single discipline? So we got Izzy. Valentina, that's a kickboxer. Izzy is a kickboxer. Jan is a kickboxer. So there's three. So it's three and three. So maybe to your point, I just don't think that Sambo's made it over quite on the skill level yet. So let's even go back to like early 2000s pride. Fedor finishing Noguera. Well, not finishing. Uh, that's the wrong word. He dominated him is the word that I'm looking for. Just absolutely pillow to post in both fights. It was Sambo and his most pure yeah. form versus BJJ and what won out. None of those subs ever became a problem for him, you know? And there was, well, I don't think what what I mean is I don't think wrestling is still the dominant force. I, I don't think it is. That's a fair point to make, yeah, for sure. Um, that was all I was trying. John Jones, though, I mean, to be fair, John Jones would technically still be the guy, but I think Reyes beat him, so I'm going against my point there. I mean, you could really play both sides of this. I still say wrestlers historically. Then maybe it has changed now. Yeah, but I'd agree with you there. Yeah, good yeah, point though. Re- really good pushback. I like that. I love a good debate, Aldo, man. I'm all about it. Aldo brought through that generation at the L, the lighterweights just kicked the shit out of all those wrestlers. Rest in peace, wrestling. Dude, who was saying this um, the other day? Somebody was just talking about how people that are great kickers, they have incredible takedown defense because they just have, like, the biggest, like, fucking quads, the biggest, like, mm. hips, like, really developed, just muscular, like, lower half to where they can just easily uh, maneuver their way out of things and Aldo dude like Aldo when he was at his best nobody could take that guy down for more than a split second it might be a trip or something like that it wasn't a traditional double leg that would get him down most of the time it might be a single with a leg trip behind it or something like that but you weren't getting him in a high crotch and throwing him over your shoulder like DC does to everybody it just wasn't happening uh, you couldn't keep the guy down so yeah that um, was incredible that um, the leg kicks like so Aldo oh, used yeah. to break up these yeah. wrestlers with leg kicks, and then Habib just ate all the gauges and still like took him down and had his way with him on the ground. Oh, I thought that was incredible, dude. I almost think we should do this uh, as part of like 
what we kind of do. So maybe uh, we've been talking about modifying the Kumite. We didn't do it today just because we didn't have time with all the new graphics, but I like this. Like, I love getting into like a topic, a discussion. You're on one side of it, I'm on the other. And let's just see what wins out and then get the chat involved for it. I absolutely love it, man. Um, it's but yeah, fun. let me know what you guys think about it and we we can toss out <laughs> ideas for that. But it's almost like, we almost have like a time limit on it. Like say we just riff for 10 minutes. We just go back and forth and the audience maybe scores it, you know, but uh, yeah, let's move it on. We got a bunch of super chats. I want to make sure we're respecting that. Uh, so um, it was from Hunter Monzen, $5. Appreciate you Hunter. 115 for the one for the women, 135 for the men, most competitive weight classes right now. What's your opinion? Oh, bantamweight has become an absolute fucking shark tank i agree with you yeah. that it's gotten amazing like half the guys that i put on my prospects list were bantamweights dude it's just unreal 115 absolutely for the women i don't think there's any question about it that is by far the most contentious weight class uh, andrage is about to challenge for the title after coming up from 115 uh at 125 she's on the verge of getting that um that fight um 55 is quite interesting at the moment as well uh men's 55 uh because of the yeah. the title displacement and then everybody kind of looking at it like in that tournament sense, Gaethje, Chandler, McGregor, Poirier, Oliveira, Hooker, you know, like there, there's a lot of guys there. A lot of things could happen. Welterweight as well, even though Usman's fought most of the dudes, like everyone seems to be still interested in seeing Masvidal fight him with a full camp, Colby rematch, uh, obviously Gilbert Burns coming up. And then uh, I know I'm alone in this, but Leon Edwards is obviously there as well. <laughs> yeah, man, there you go. I love Leon Edwards too, man. I've been saying for the longest time when people were super stoked about Jimmy Manua or Darren Till, it's like, there's your guy right there. He's right there. Yeah. They're booing him as he's beating Gunnar Nelson, who's not your countryman. He's in your country. I mean, I, I don't really care for that either. I'm not like one of those USA guys. I'm not I'm not one of those dudes because I just respect anybody who fights. But still, it was like, why are you booing your own countryman like that? Like, you just hate the guy. He hasn't done anything. But anyhow, I agree with you there. Um, I would say, yeah, I, I think it's still 155 or 170. Maybe that could be a debate topic where, you know, we maybe uh, pick out one side or the other and just kind of try to even uh, play devil's advocate, even if we don't necessarily agree with one side. But I would still say 155. I think the difference between 135 and why it looks particularly dangerous right now in a way that maybe 155 relatively doesn't is because Habib has gone through the division and just basically dominated everybody so we just talked about three of the four top guys right now he just absolutely killed you know um so we'll have to see what happens but i do think that um i would still say 155 and the thing about Piotr yawn is he's new as a champion once you give him a year or two like we've seen her for habib and if he can continue to win that i really like aljo in that fight i think that's a really competitive fight we'll have to see what happens but Piotr yawn if he goes on for another couple years it'll look very much the same that 155 does because you'll be like, well, because it tends to be top heavy. You think about the title picture. You're thinking about, well, who could challenge Habib now? You know, he's not 100% out. They're still showing on the UFC website. It's not over until he's officially gone. He's out of the USADA testing pool, which he's still in. All those things um, we'll have to see. But I think 135 just hasn't had a chance to establish its champion. So... I, do you agree with me, Jason, that uh, Habib basically started his flirtation with possibly uh, coming back just to promote his new promotion? Because that's what it felt like to me. He was just like, oh, who knows? Who knows? An Eagle Fighting Championship is on this weekend. 
It's brilliant. It might be Connor. Who knows? I might fight him. But make sure, because I might make an announcement about it at Eagle Fighting Championships this weekend. Uh, yeah, we've been disappointed so many times by fighters. I mean, like, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, you know, like, uh, political views. You're always going to be disappointed by somebody. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. So I, I did, never listen to that. But it's like, do you just think of the things that fighters say all the time or the things that fighters do? Like, when... Um, rumble retired i remember just being like oh man what's he got going on because he left it ominous he said oh yeah. i've got something else going on in the background it's like oh it's just another <laughs> you know uh what, what is it what is the name of it? it's not marijuana i'm, I'm thinking a I weed actually, farm uh, that's what i call them yeah well actually it was marijuana i was thinking not thc but uh gummies mm. uh the uh edibles no edibles. not edibles not edibles oh god they make them in gummies though it's on the tip of my tongue like a motherfucker. Edibles, right? No, 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 because they make... Um, it's the shit that people do when they're going to sleep. Like, it's not marijuana. Melatonin? No, not melatonin. Whatever. It's Somebody CBD? in... CBD, there we oh go. There we go. That it's the, not what you... I was somehow, I wasn't able to think of that. You would think that was the first thing, but it, that's my point, though. It's like fighters, they will disappoint you, and that's coming around to Habib. We thought that Rumble was leaving for the coolest thing ever. It's like people were talking about him working for like NFL teams and stuff like that. That was a big <laughs> rumor. I can't remember which one it was because I don't watch foosball. Foosball is of the devil. Uh, that's a Waterboy <laughs> reference. Uh, so, yes, everyone's saying CBD in the chat. There is way too much latency. Everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's excruciating. CBD is a waste of time, lads. A waste, a waste of time. I think it's great when it's real CBD. I've had fake CBD or low-potency CBD, but it's great to like – Oh, yeah, I'm kind of like having a hard time falling asleep, but I just want to relax. It like gives you that buzzed, almost ASMR, what ASMR tries to do, but does it like way more <laughs> potently. Anyhow, the point to that being fighters will disappoint you with the retirement speeches and what it's actually about. At the end of the day, I think he was, you know, maybe just kind of done with fighting and he just wanted to do something in the marijuana business and make it sound like a bigger deal than it was. And in the Habib case, it's very adjacent to that because if that is true... <laughs> It's very successful because everybody just is on the tip of whatever Habib is going to say, the tip of his tongue. The moment he says something, everybody latches onto it because we're like, is he going to go for the 30 and 0? Dana's saying this, Ali's saying 30 and 0 on an ominous Twitter post where that's all it is. It's just 30 and 0. That's all he's tweeting, you know? Um, if they, if they made absolutely. Said, if they made absolutely no money off it, would you say Dana and Ali be jumping up and down trying to get Habib to come back? It, what was the the full question? Sorry, the, they would be if jumping they, if up they and had, down for what situation? If 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 Ali and Dana had no financial gain whatsoever out of Habib <laughs> coming back to the octagon, do you think they'd want them to come back to the octagon? That's the conflict of interest in it, in terms of trying to look at them as a honest third party you know objective bystander they're definitely not that they have so much interest in him coming back absolutely i fully agree um they're probably in his ear every day just like hey man you thought about it? <laughs> have you thought about it? you got that stuff you got that stuff you got those drugs you got that cbd uh, <laughs> imagine it's that worrying when you're on the yacht and you're still thinking <laughs> god we need him to be back <laughs> man that is the thing you know as much as we rag on like the dana whites of the world for me like you know, I feel like we make a decently comfortable living, you know, doing what we do. We're not rich. We're not, you know, we're not making, not rich by any means. 
But like, there's a comfortability where I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to make a ton of cash. But then there are dudes like Dana that are on the yacht, just like texting everybody a storm, like, let's get this fight book. That'll make us a ton of cash. It's like, dude, you already got the, you know, the sale when that happened and the massive payout for the UFC sale. Like, there's, I don't know. It's there's something intrinsic. to be admired about it. It's intrinsic. There's definitely something to be admired about it. Like, I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that he has no go. Like, it can't just simply be to line his pocket. Like, I don't believe that either. I believe he is passionate about this. Um, passionate enough to make a five-minute video and make some intern gather a lot of footage over the space of probably about four <laughs> months. So, I mean, great guy. Yeah, let's go back to that one. Just take everything out of context like you did. Fake news, by the way, we're going to combat fake news with fake the fakest news possible. Anyhow, so let's get caught up on other things. I, we're almost through the Super Chats. Um, really enjoying these tangents. Um, let's see. Dixon Sider's back, baby. $5 Super Chat. Dana, post that luxury video. Also, Dana, we're coming after you, illegal streamers. Yes, so there's that as well. It's like, oh, what do you think of that? What do our commenters think of that? I'm very intrigued. Um, I'm not really up on the whole world of it, but uh, it seems to have provoked quite a poisonous reaction from the fan base that he uh, that he has said this. I, I I don't really know much about it, but I, I saw um I can remember as well Brendan Shaw, right? He 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 said something about somewhere that people get their streams from, and he was vilified. Like I feel like his career yes. went off a cliff. <laughs> like at that point like it was like oh I love the fire in the kid what did he say what did he say no fuck that guy that's what it was like like that's what literally what happened I feel like that was the end of his career I love that narrative it wasn't like the 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 bad stand-up special it wasn't like the the Tito-like moments that he has on his podcast consistently it was the Reddit MMA streams call out <laughs> that killed and him and people were ready to kill him I remember yeah. people like in my like I'd be tweeting about something completely random and be like yeah and fuck Brendan Schaub and I'd be like what are you talking about bud I don't even know what you're talking about dude it's fucking great um yeah man I I, I guess my take on it is it's a scare tactic it, what it sounds like i was literally watching a documentary about like limewire and what happened to all those services that there used to be and anybody who was you know using those services remembers there was a service called riaa and they're essentially like a big consortium a big group that would sue these um you know platforms like napster and limewire on behalf of the record labels and things like that and just put up big money lawsuits. And that's what got them all taken down. And I mean, it was a matter of time. Of course, that was going to happen. It was, you know, file sharing was their their whole thing. And so it's a similar concept here. And Justin TV, so for the old school fans that remember that used to be where people used to stream and the UFC got that taken down. That's what it feels like. It feels like both those situations kind of combined into one where it's like, is he going to start going after individuals? Like, literally people that just pirate. It's like, oh, we tracked your IP address from setting up a fake website. You clicked it. Now we have your IP address. We saw that you were trying to watch the fights illegally. Maybe they even give them a snippet of it to where they can legally say you were watching an illegal stream. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that shit works, but I, I'm i more inclined to think it's a bluff that there's just nothing they can do. There's just no way, you know? He's got a big surprise, everyone. Watch out. Watch out. Maybe he's just going to give them all for free from now on. He'd be like, oh, here's a surprise, guys. I don't want your money anymore. Thanks so much. They're all free. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's literally like the biggest fuck you, big dick money move ever, where it's just like, 
oh yeah, I'm going to jack up the price and then I'm going to punish everybody who illegally streams it and what the fuck are you going to do about it? And honestly, I don't have a good answer for that. What are you going to do about it? Um, luckily, you know, it's part of my job and, you know, I don't have to pay for it out of pocket anymore. So, but it is a bummer. You know, I remember when I was, you know, back in like 2010, I was trying to go to a friend's house. I was trying to go to a bar because I couldn't afford it because I was working at a prestigious place called Target. Um, and so therefore I couldn't afford it. You know, it was like things like that. So I've been there. I understand where the fans are hundred percent. What are you going to do? Uh, Trey Maine says it's not going to stop people. And that's what happened with the music industry. I mean, people went to torrents after that. They went to all sorts of other platforms, but it's kind of like the smart folks that figured out how to keep doing it. The average consumer, they kind of stopped doing it. And I think everybody relented and they went for things like Spotify and stuff like that over time. But isn't the answer is better though. $10 a month. It's like, uh, yeah, I was buying one CD a month back in the day. So $10 is less than I was spending for a $15 CD and I get everything. So oh, it was, that's what I was going to say. I used to buy probably eight CDs a month, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all like 20 quid each. And now I have it all for 10 quid. It feels like, feels like the artists are losing out on a lot of money here <laughs> you know what i mean like seriously though like i, I mean irony time uh, I, I, irony time i was listening so there's a great podcast called freakonomics and they break it down by the numbers record companies are making hand over fist with spotify because here's the thing all those people that were streaming it in the early 2000s and things like that they weren't spending a dime on the industry but now people are like oh 10 bucks and i get everything fuck yeah i'll pay that so all those people that literally weren't paying like they might buy one cd in every six months now they're paying ten dollars every month every and they're in contracts you know some people they'll do it for a year and they get a bundled rate you know so it's like continually coming forward money that just wasn't coming through record labels are making hand over fist artists they're on the long tail of the distribution so you know if you look at it from a statistical basis let's say Mm. the industry and spotify are making the most money here but as the graph goes down they're on the long tail way off to the side not making shit the artists and uh, unless you're you know drake or somebody like that unless you're at the very very top they're part of the they're part of the you know the peak but the long tail of it is the average artist who maybe is making 20 grand and they're still getting millions of plays a month it's it's extortion oh extortion is the wrong word but it just the record labels have a very bad history with musicians anyhow that's a total tangent going off the dana white pirates i I got i got i got a lot from it in fairness so thank you very much (laughs) I just, I never know how uh, the audience is reacting to this stuff. Cause I will say like MMA fans can be quite, um, let's use a convoluted political word binary, but let's be real. Like for, for its actual meaning ones and zeros. Oh, you're talking about MMA all on board. You go off on a slight tangent, even though it goes directly to the point about illegal streams from Dana. I swear to God, we always get somebody just like, why are you guys talking about this stuff? And it's like, okay, trying to listen to the audience, trying to be a nice guy. (laughs) Dana is the Lars Ulrich of uh, yes. MMA productions. That's there what. we go. That's the perfect time. Lars Ulrich was the worst one. The absolute worst. Oh, is Carson in there saying the audio is out? We'll get that worked out for you. Good to see you in here, Carson. Always coming in is with that, that, that low-key troll. That's his bit. I like it. Okay, so Do we know on. Carson? Carson, yeah, he's one of the um, Twitch fans. He hangs out all the time. He always goes to the same joke, and I love it. I love regulars, you know, like love the idea of seeing people come back, even if it's just one joke. It's a one-note fandom. I dig it. Um, Moving it on. So 
Let's see. Uh, Nathaniel Baker, $1.99 Super Chat. Thoughts on Aldo versus Cruz. <laughs> he spelled it like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Walker versus Santos and JDS versus Harris. Wow, that's a lot to ask. Um, Aldo Are these all Cruz. definitely happening, yeah? Are these all booked, ready to go? Well, isn't Cruz up against Casey Kenny next? I yeah, that's what I hear. That's why I'm confused. Yeah. Um, I mean, just as a fantasy matchup, something tells me that Aldo's a little bit more in his stride. Um, a couple of years ago, I might have picked Cruz. Cruz is one of my favorite fighters ever, but you could have gone either way on that, and I think you still probably can. But I think I give the advantage to Aldo there. I don't think Cruz will be able to take him down. Same. I think he'll be able to threaten that, but I think people have figured out his setups, which is a beautiful web of just absolute tapestry on the feet. But yeah, Walker versus Santos. I love what do you think about that? Oh yeah, go, you can go on that one too. Oh yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. For some reason, Aldo looks amazing lately, and I do, it doesn't make sense to be honest. Um, I I'd have thought you know he'd be up there. He he can compete with the likes of Jan, so he's. I feel like he's right up there still. I'd love to see him fight like Rob Font or someone. Um, but yeah, what was the next one? JDS and who? Walt Harris? Um, no, it was actually a kind of random one. Uh, I I think this would be poor matchmaking myself. So no offense to you, Nathaniel Baker, but Walker versus Santos. So Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos. Like the kind of fights. I, I mean, I think Santos would wreck him. Yeah, I think so too. I think you'd destroy him, man, to be honest. I mean, you see the last couple of fights that Walker's had, you know, the Nikita Krylov fight, you know, just absolutely getting controlled and mauled on the ground. Um, Tiago Santos has been doing that to everybody, and he also has knockout power. Um, everything just seems to sway in Santos's favor there, um, except for maybe a knockout on the feet. But, dude, does Santos – or I said Santos. Actually, wait, I'm mixing up. I was thinking of Glover. Actually, that is more interesting. Why was I thinking yeah. Glover? I do that a lot where I'm like, I, I, it's almost like a Freudian type kind of thing where I'm thinking of uh, something else. But I, I don't know what's going on with that. I, I would still say Santos, though, for sure. Mm. At this so stage. I think it, what you said applies to Santos, too. Like, he yeah. is very good. Like, he stays safe on the ground. Walker doesn't have a ground game. Uh, I would have loved to see Walker and Yuri Prohaska. That would have really, I would have loved to see that. Two wild men. Ooh. Beautiful. Yeri versus Rakic, I think, is a better fight, but I do like Walker versus Yeri as well. Wait, is that when mm. is that fight happening? Can you look that one up a lot? Yuri, just type J I R I Yuri Prohaska. Don't try to spell his last name; you will fail. And then P R O Z C H A K A. Way to go, dude! Like spoken like a real journalist. So Yuri Prohaska versus um, Walker. No, no, no. Uh, Rakic, Rakic, R A K I C. Yeah, there you go. When is that announced? Oh, so is that... Well, no, that's from September 30th. Is that actually official? Devin rebooked it, no? Hmm. Yeah, look into that. We'll see where we get with that. Moving on to the next one, it was JDS versus Harris, Walt Harris. Um, Maybe I give JDS the edge. Harris has been through a lot of shit, man, but I still think there's a level there separating the two. If there are four... If they're finding me back garden, I'd close the curtains, lads. <laughs> that's how I feel about that one. Yeah, that's it. I'm, like, I'm not buzzing for that at all. That, that doesn't get me excited. Yeah, JDS is in a weird place. Is he on a four-fight losing streak now? It's a really tough place to be for him. 
but that could be a true matchmaker's vision there because that is the kind of fights he's going to be in for the rest of his life he's going to be just bleeding young talent into that title conversation for as long as he stays in the UFC I think he's to be honest I think he's his arse is probably on the chopping board oh, like when you dude. look at the lo- sorry I just saw the chat for you versus Reyes that's an even better fight I actually like that fight more that's right they did set up the Reyes fight that is so much better Rakic was saying that he didn't want to fight thank you for saying that chat sorry I totally disrupted that but it was just like when I saw that that's how excited I am for that fight you were talking about closing the curtains and walking away open the goddamn curtains and let the (laughs) floodgates open I want to run in there as soon as I can that's such a good fight has Prohaska just went from Kroilov to the top of the division basically Prohaska? Prohaska yeah. went from Ozdemir. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For the European Incredible king. Incredible yeah, KO, right. man. Well, Rakic's still there, yeah. yeah. I think it's a good jump for him because he was the rising champion, but you're kind of giving him a little bit... I mean, you are you got a former title challenger that he just fought, and now you're about to go up against another one, another former title challenger. I don't think Vulcan is that far down. I mean, especially when you look at the Reyes fight. A lot of people, I thought Reyes won that fight. I totally disagreed with the commentary on that fight. The, the commentary, like Dan Hardy and John Gooden, they really thought he was winning. Uh, they thought Vulcan was winning. I definitely thought Dominic Reyes was winning that fight. But it just shows oh, you how close they actually are. What so who's Rackage fighting now? Good question. That's so, man, it's so hard to keep track of what's going on in the UFC at the moment, man. You not heard anything we just said? He's still looking up the I'm, fight. I'm, I'm he's deep into this. He's like, he's trying to find like more search terms. What's the latest on this? I was just like, all these freaking websites are from like last year. So I was like, I don't have a damn clue what I'm looking for anymore. Dude, when I said your name, you actually jumped because you were that, you were that into it. I was, so I was diving in. in. I appreciate the level of research, man. I'm, I'm, I'm behind it. Um, but anyhow, well, uh, so, t- uh, to move it on, Aldo versus Cruz, I think I would take Aldo. Walker versus Santos, Santos. JDS versus Harris, I think I would lean JDS, even though he's on a four-fight winning streak. I just think there's a bit of a level separation there. Um, but, yeah. Agree. Uh, Dominic agree Reyes them. versus Yuri. That is one – legitimately, Yuri is one of my favorite fighters to watch in the UFC period right now. He was one of my favorite fighters in Ryzen. He would, he'd been there forever. He hadn't lost since um, – and he avenged that loss – who was it to? It was um, King Mo. Mo. Yeah, so he avenged that loss. And he also beat Vadim Nemkov, which is super interesting because Vadim Nemkov is now the light heavyweight champion in Bellator. So there's so many interesting things about Year. I think he's a real title prospect, legitimate title prospect. Of course, he didn't make it on my prospect video yesterday because that wasn't about title prospects. That was about new prospects. But anyhow, uh, yeah, really it's, great um, stuff. It's a good opportunity as well for Europe to become more dominant in that division because Rakic is fighting Santos now. So they're two oh. huge fights. If they if they um That's a great if they fight. both turn around victories there, big, big stuff for European MMA. And they, those are the type of guys you have Yuri in the Czech Republic and you have Rakic. Where is Rakic from? Oh my god. Uh, Austrian. Is he a Croatian so, asshole as well? He's Austrian. Um so <laughs> That they could be like the spark that lights the fuse in terms of MMA growth in those nations like we've famously seen with Conor McGregor. So that's always very, very exciting. Could be the first UFC event and blah, blah, blah once the world isn't controlled by zombies anymore. <laughs> the cordyceps virus will leave us soon, I swear. Um, 
Yeah. So you, you're right about him being Austrian. Um, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, I didn't realize that they had the Santos fight on. So you guys are helping us out with uh, some of this stuff by asking these questions, which is great. Um, I would take. What do you? Who do you take in that fight? I would take Rackage. Santos, Santos, I think, is so just good. as good as ever. And he could easily win it. It's a close fight, man. You know, like, Rackage is is predominantly known as a striker, but he's put on some great wrestling performances as well, but not someone as not against someone as decorated as Santos. But, like, have we seen, like, Santos on his knees now? He had, you know, mm. tough, tough surgeries. I mean, you'd certainly think Rackage is the guy who's on the ascent, um, sure. even though Santos had that incredibly close fight with John Jones. Um who do you think will be the underdog like in the for the bookies? That's that's even a tough one to call. Like mm. I, I don't Rackage probably because he's not from America. Yeah, maybe. I feel like there's just a lot of hype around that dude right now. And I think that's mm. if there's anything that would make him the favorite, that would be it. But you're right though. I think you bring up some really good points about that. Like, I mean Santos put off one of the best, you know, title fights to John Jones ever. And he put off a great fight against, you know, Glover. It was just that Glover was just smothering him on the ground to such an extent that he couldn't do anything. I mean, it's incredible. Um, yeah. But anyhow, let's let's move it on a little bit. Let's blaze through a couple of these just so we get through them. Um, thank you. Nakul Yadav gives us another super chat. Do you think Musasi's decision to jump to Bellator has mortally damaged his hopes as being seen as one of the uh, all-time welterweight greats? Uh, well, sorry for laughing. He's a middleweight. Uh, so yes, it has dashed his welterweight hopes. Uh, no, I think as a, I think he could have been champion. I think he had that ability. I mean, he was, you know, on, I think it was a three fight win streak at the time. He'd avenged his last Uriah Hall. He had just beat Chris Weidman before he went over to Bellator. I think he absolutely could have been a middleweight champion. And I think it's unfortunate we never got to see those fights, but I think he made a smart business move. And I think it's done wonders for him because he's champion there. Now he may potentially, because they're saying even Rafael Lovato Jr. might come back. Like somehow, you know, whatever the issue was with his brain, uh, I can't remember the exact condition. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, it's an insane thing to say, to like, yeah, <laughs> in any sport, like in any in any any other sport, fair enough. But like in combat sports, you know, he had that issue with his brain, but who knows? He might be back soon. Like it seems. <laughs> crazy. I mean, it's like uh, I mean, bare knuckle, you know, is obviously a, a close cousin. Uh, you know, we've got guys like Chris Lieben going over there and fighting. You're like, what the fuck? That dude was having heart mm -hmm. issues. Uh, we've got Dan Hardy still saying after having Wolf uh, Parkinson syndrome, talking about coming back, which is another heart condition. It's like he's still saying he might come back. He was saying that in one of the press conferences in Abu Dhabi, talking about who he would want to fight and all this kind of stuff. Didn't um, Tiago Alves have a brain surgery? They had to operate him through his groin so they didn't open the skull. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, like the whole thing is, God. if you if you open the skull, you're basically weakening the whole structure. So so I think it was a little bit after his fight with GSP for the title. They actually operated on his brain by sending like a telescopic camera up through his groin. Mm. And uh, they did the surgery that way. Now he, he came back, but I, I guess he never reclaimed the former glory. But what, mm. what an insane situation that is. Absolutely Returning to insane. fighting after brain surgery. I think he had some uh, USADA issues as well. Uh, I could be no, wrong about how that. I could whoa, be wrong. whoa. That's crazy. No one would ever see? say that. That um, guy is naturally built. He looks like me with my top off. I was thinking... 
<laughs> almost as good. Almost as good. Almost as good. He's laughing at guys. I'm laughing at just like the greatness that I'm speaking in front of and just realizing, just remembering how could I forget? It's, it's gonna, I'll take it. Oh, 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 oh. No, 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 no. Don't shame us. Don't shame us with your glory. Um, yeah, so there's actually a channel called More Plates, uh, More Dates, who talks about ped stuff and he's a ped user. You know, he's really open about it and he talks about it because he has a uh, like a clinic and he talks about pharmacology pretty in depth. I've, I actually want to talk to that dude on one of these live chats sometime and just be like, that'd be great. Dude, tell me about steroid use. Is it really hurting you? How, what, what are the size of your balls right now? Because they say those shrink. Uh, could your body make testosterone if you stopped right now? I seriously want to ask him all those questions because there's a you know a huge back and forth about that. But that's on the note of Tiago Alves. He outlined him on one of his videos as just being like, yeah, clear case of steroid use. And as if he didn't uh, you know fail the eyeball test. I mean, you look at the dude that beat fucking Matt Hughes, the version of Tiago Alves that was just like, he had Brock Lesnar, like everything on his upper body, just insane neck muscles. His head just didn't go into his neck. It was just like, it was just a bullet shape. You know, it was just massive. And uh, yeah, anyhow, tangents galore here. Uh, I said I would get through these quickly, but yes, I think Musasi, I think he made the right move career-wise. Maybe he could have been UFC champion. He could have been the biggest star, but I think he made a ter- terrific move career-wise and he got a belt in another organization, which makes him uh, an all-time great. Um, let's see, Yadav says middleweight greats. There we go. So he did correct himself. So sorry for ragging on you too much there when you actually did correct yourself. Uh, chicken Wings... Uh, gives us California CA by the way that stands for California two dollars chi 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 chicken wings is his comment and his username is chicken wings Um, I really like chicken wings obviously guys I know California is not a real currency I know it's Canada Uh, so two thousand dollar high just gives us a dollar super chat can you scroll down is there any more after that no I the question was in the comments. I've got it right here. Oh, um, did he accidentally delete it? Yeah, yeah. He retracted one and gave us another one. So I asked what his question was in the oh. comments. So it is towards you, Jason, talking about the top ten MMA fighter of all time ranking list that you did. He said he ranked Penn, Couture, Liddell, Vanderlei, Johnson, Cormier, Emilianenko, Anderson Silva, GSP, and Jones. Is there <laughs> anything you would change? Oh, about the uh, your top ten ranking of all time. You know, a lot of people ragged on me for not putting Aldo in that list, and they're probably right for that one. I I tend to agree that he should have made it in there. Um, I think that Stipe probably deserves a spot in there because obviously he's beaten uh, Daniel Cormier on two occasions. He has the record for the most title defenses, which is ridiculous if you think about how long only two title defenses was the record. Randy Couture might have been multiple time champion but in terms of consecutive defenses nobody ever had more than two so i do give a lot of credence to that i think that should definitely be listed in there obviously amanda nunez has to be in there i I don't know where we actually had her there um if we did have her in there we should have had her in there um shevchenko is earning a place in there i mean that was a couple years ago so we hadn't seen the dominance i think amanda nunez said had one title defense by that point in time, to be fair. She wasn't a dual weight champion and killing everyone. So I think she should have been in there. I don't know. Who who would make your top ten that so let's let's list that out again just so you get a chance to hear it, PT. So That's we great. had um Penn, Couture, Liddell, um obviously Vanderlei Silva was in there because he had a twenty two fight unbeaten streak. That was the big thing. Johnson? 
Oh, Demetrius Johnson. I was like, Anthony Johnson, we just got done talking about him. Cormier, Emilianenko, Anderson Silva, GSP, Jones. Who would you add to that? That's a lot of names to throw at you, but... It's hard to... Like, I mean, there's also, like... These lists you can never like. There's also there's always names you could throw in, but mm. they often mean different things. Like I mean, Hoist Gracie obviously impact. He's not the greatest fighter ever, but his impact was profound. Uh, McGregor's impact is profound. Ronda Rousey's impact is profound, but you couldn't consider them like you know in terms of what these other guys have done in their careers and the the winning streaks they've gone on. They don't compare. Um, it's always like I, I just feel like these lists are very hard. So I commend yes. you for even doing one because you gotta you gotta narrow it down to a certain criteria. And I think when you talk about great, everyone has a different idea of what it is to be great. So chief example I'm not of that. Uh, so um, <laughs> Howard Tran had an interesting comment in here. Where is it? Is it the Habib would definitely be in the top 10? No. So he had one about my list, the prospect list. So a bunch of people. So I've seen so many comments. So on the on you can't win making list type kind of thing. I, I think I had like a full minute preamble of my criteria. And then I had an honorable mention where I showed people. People were saying I didn't mention them when they were in that. But I said I also didn't have enough time to show everybody because my list was like 60 long. I showed it to you before we even did it, along with Tommy yeah. Told when we were kind of debating who should make it onto the top 15. And uh, It's so hard. You can't win. Um, man, I wish I could find that. That thing from Howard Tran, but he said, um, I forget to say how to say his name because I never actually had to say it loud, but Sue uh, Majaferi or however you say it, he was on that list for prospective people. And uh, yeah, that's one of the ones where you can't win because A, it is subjective and you're always going to have disagreements and they're going to be valid. The disagreements are going to be valid. You're going to be wrong about some things. There it is. Jason, you forgot a prospect on that list. Sue, um, Muderji, Muderji, Sue Majeri, Sue Jerry. I don't actually know how to say it. Um, so there we go. Sue Fly Majeri, away. flyaway from China, who knocked out Malcolm Gordon earlier this year. He punches like a rock, so he was considered uh, absolutely. Uh, no, just, but I, I feel like I feel like people are always like they're dying for us to be wrong about things. Like I mean, the last few <laughs> chats, last few chats we had, people got on to me saying I was wrong about things. I went back and listened to it, and I said I didn't even say that. I mean, what the, what are you talking about? So I mean. Well, I, I, I don't know if you forgot about this, but Darren Till, fun fact, fought Jared Kinnanier. <laughs> yeah, it was it was was one of my fights of twenty twenty, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That was the that was me legitimate being wrong, so I gotta pick on myself there. You're oh, we're allowed to slag I each am. other. I am. We're allowed we're allowed to slag each other. That's that's fine. But the rest of you, silence. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was the time I think the only error that you made and I ragged on you for it was the Diego Lima Douglas Lima mix up. <laughs> and I'll do that again. And I will hundred percent do that again. I can't I can't do that. It doesn't compute. You know how many videos where we've said lightweight instead of light heavyweight? Because it's just an easy typo to make. Where you just yeah. you're, It's almost like you have autocomplete in your brain. It's like you're thinking uh, of what it is and you combine the, the, the three words together for lightweight instead of light heavyweight, you know? Um, yeah. It's interesting, but... I'm right. sure that was pointed out to you as well, Jason. I wouldn't be surprised if someone brought that to your attention after the fact. No, no, no one said it. They were all very meek and kind about it. <laughs> The one thing was, I, I remember there was one video where I really ate crow because I was making fun of how jaded hardcore fans can be. And it was it was like a, a lighthearted thing, you know, where I wasn't being an asshole. But right after that, I go into talking about a fight. I can't even remember which one it was now. 
Yeah, so I was talking about Jorge Rivera, and I called him Jorge Masvidal. Like, I just went with first names, and I thought of the first, the the last name that went with Jorge that was on my mind that day and wrote that into the script. So right after I got done ragging on people, I went directly into just butchering Jorge Rivera and calling him Jorge Masvidal, which is great. I'm, sh- I'm sure he was happy with it, you know? Of anything, I mean, I'm sure he was happy with the comparison to be thought of in that light. Must have meant a lot to Mr. Rivera. He's <laughs> like, I'm not even middleweight, but yeah, I could kick some of those ass. <laughs> um, it, well, he's a welterweight like Musasi is. <laughs> so, yeah. Making fun of the competition. Two of the best 170 pound guys ever. So I do want to say this, you know, um, it sounds like we're ragging on the comments for ragging on us, but I actually think it's a great thing. There is to a certain extent where you just, you know, you just have to stop reading comments. You just have to, because it's bad for your mental health because like you might have 99 comments and one bad one, but one of the bad ones is just like vicious. It's just like, okay, I'm not reading comments. If it's, <laughs> if it's making them feel good, I'm all for it. Go ahead, guys. Take your best shot. Well, I also <laughs> think, I think it's also the best thing though about having uh, a YouTube channel because like um, so on the Spotify thing you know I was listening to the you know talking about the you know the dovetail of, at the very end of it you know artists aren't making that much on it but it was the Spotify creator on that podcast talking about it and how they're how they're actually going into podcasts now so we have our podcast on there by the way if anybody wants to listen to the audio version you can check it out right after this but anyhow so as far as that goes they're moving into that world they're moving into that and they were talking about how that's been traditionally an issue with podcasts and the reason why they're investing like the hundreds of millions they literally are putting to like joe rogan and all those other people is because right now what you don't have is very good analytics on it Yes, if you go into the podcast portal for Apple, yes, you can do third-party services like Buzzsprout, but what YouTube gives you is it gives you a comment section as well. And it's one of the best things about this platform because I think one of the most vital things to doing a good job in anything is feedback. Good feedback, bad feedback. It doesn't matter which side it's coming from. Uh, as long as you can handle it in your own way, you know, you can handle it healthy enough. And you everybody has their own line of what is too much because if you read too much negative stuff you're just gonna be like dude i suck at this i'm done let me just shut this fucking computer you know like all that kind of stuff but it's also the best part about it because you literally have an audience tell you when something's not working and a lot of times they're right you know it's one of the best things possible and that's what i love about these live chats and i i do think a lot of people miss it and i, I know we've been kind of back and forth we've been getting on our own rants but it's it's even good to just read it and see what people are saying because there's just nothing like that. There's no other platform that has ever existed like it. You know, Netflix doesn't even have that. And comments can be toxic. Comments can be all over the place. They can hurt you as much as they can help you. But if you figure out that balance, it's great. It's one of the best things about the platform. So it sounds like we're ragging on it, or it sounds like I'm ragging on it personally. In some ways I am, but I also think it's fantastic. I think it's the best part about YouTube. I've had a YouTube account for as long as it's been around and I left one comment ever on a Frank Zappa video and it felt <laughs> weird. Frank Zappa. Wow. <laughs> I love Frank Zappa, man. He's a business. Yeah, he's a bitch. Uh, well, that's not what you said. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Why do you hate Frank Zappa? How is, no, what's no, wrong I, with you? <laughs> I just had to troll. I'm a troll commenter. So you don't comment at all. I just well, you've comment. hurt my feelings. You've hurt my feelings <laughs> and I'm disgusted. It's ruined my day. Let me see if I can find this PC Carol. I bet you it won't come up if I look for you. You probably don't even have like it. Probably just has like a P, you know, because that, that's their like default. I have no the idea. First letter of your name. 
Let's see. Did you no post idea. anything to it? Because that's what I really want to see. I want to see you doing like some analysis. You're like, oh man, I really no. think that Brock Lesnar could beat Randy Couture. Oh no, definitely not. Like, yeah, it doesn't come like, up. Like I think, yeah, it was so profound they had to erase it because people's brains were exploding. <laughs> they had to get rid of it. Frank Zappa was offended. I heard, and uh, he took it down. That's what I heard. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I honestly don't know any of his music, so any jokes about Frank Zappa, don't take him too oh, seriously. Oh, man, Frank people. Zappa is the business. How do you not, like, oh, my God. You need to get into that, man. He's a genius. I think, um, so I like uh, experimental music, so, like, I like a genre called math rock. Most people don't know what the hell that is. Dude, Frank Zappa's the most experimental musician of his generation. That's my point, yeah. So, like, he's experimental, but there's almost, like, there's almost, like, an element to it that just, like, it just goes a different direction. It's just, like, eh, Meh. Yeah, yeah, Meh. yeah. It's wild. It's wild. It is, in fairness, it is wild. <laughs> but I enjoy the wildness. This is how far the comments are. They're just now reacting to me saying, "Yeah, he's a bitch." We got to figure that out next week. <laughs> just as much we've been shitting on YouTube uh, or, or saying the good things about YouTube, I'm gonna shit on it now for always having the uh, the settings being weird on us. But anyhow. Um, so yeah, let's move it on just a little bit more. We got a couple more minutes here. I gotta say, without having the segments, it does feel longer, doesn't it? Like it feels it like we've been talking for way longer. But this is exactly what we're normally doing, uh, just without segments. But um, just to kind of go over a little bit more, so we haven't talked about Justin Gaethje versus Oliveira particularly yet. We talked about that matchup happening, the fact that it might be you know the case right now. But who do you see winning that fight stylistically? I think it's very interesting for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, I I never thought that Gaethje's wrestling was going to be good enough to pull Habib off taking him down. Never thought that was a real thing. Um, I was very surprised that Oliveira was able to control Ferguson on the ground the way he did. I think he needs to do the same thing against Gaethje to win the fight. Mm. I think if he stands with Gaethje, Gaethje kicks the shit out of his legs and makes it a horrible ordeal. But I think... Gaethje's a huge like an advantage when it's striking I think Oliveira is a huge advantage on the ground based on what I saw in Tony Ferguson so um, I think for the division the best thing that could happen would be Oliveira winning so I think I'd want that to happen oh okay very um, what's the word very collective in your choice there rather than individualistic it'd be great for the division be great for everyone. Well, it else. would, as you were saying, like it could be one of those things. Like if he if he went in and absolutely devastated Gaethje in the first round, maybe mm-hmm. that does get Habib going. Right, this kid is is clearly the best guy in the division. I'll go back and fight him. You know, I think the um, the big thing that you know really got exposed in that fight for Gaethje is like he had said this in interviews leading up, but I didn't quite really believe that that was the case. So he had said. Uh, I think it was in a Brett Okamoto interview. Brett just asked him, you know, plainly, it's like, well, so what do you have for him on the ground if it goes there? And he's like, I'm not planning for it to go there. I'm not, I'm not training for it to go there. I'm not, I'm not even training for it to go there. I was like, there's no way he's going up against the best lightweight on the planet uh, with the best ground game possibly ever we've ever seen in that division. Uh, you know, one of the best ever in the UFC. I mean, it's world-class caliber, class, class caliber. And so, like, and it looked like that when the fight happened. It looked like he wasn't actually training there, which is just mind-blowing. And that's what everybody's been saying. A bunch of grapplers just like, 
wow, uh, all the wrestlers were kind of on his side. All the American wrestlers were like, oh, yeah, he can stop the takedown and he should be able to do well on the ground. But they're just like, I mean, you know, Chandler said that when, you know, we talked about that fight when we had an interview with him. And it's just really interesting. I do think that he needs to make some tremendous strides because now that it has been shown that the ground can really be a make or break factor if you have that kind of level of, you know, just strangling ability, which we did just see in the Ferguson fight. I mean, it's it's crazy, you know. It goes back to that, that same idiom. You're only as good as your last fight. But you're also as good as your, like, not just your losses, but you're also as good as your wins, too. And mm. we've got that on both sides of the coin from Oliveira. We've got a knockout from him against, you know, the Gillespie knockout from Kevin Lee was phenomenal, absolutely incredible. And then he just goes into this performance with Oliveira where Oliveira's piecing him up on the feet, you know? It was a clinic. And then we saw that happen against um, Ferguson where it just wasn't even close on the ground. So what I think is going to happen there, and it's easier said than done getting Gaethje down, I don't know how much of that was part of the direct game plan, how much of those were half-hearted takedown attempts because a couple of them did get stuffed for Habib. But Gaethje, the moment he got taken down, it was like slicing through butter instantaneously. It looked like danger in the last 20 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it was of the first round. And then, of course, at the very beginning of the round, it was like they picked up right where they left off, and it was like butter there again, just slicing right through his defense. And so I have to think, you know, based off of that performance, if Oliveira can get him down, it's game over. It, it's just going to be game over that quick, because he's not. It's 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 directly historically comparing uh, comparing it with Kevin Randleman and Randy Couture. Kevin Randleman was the hammer, not the nail. And the moment he was the nail, Kevin Randleman just absolutely crumbles under the pressure of Randy Couture's top game. That's what we saw in this Gaethje fight. We saw him get taken down and just absolutely crumble under the, the top game pressure. And I think Oliver is absolutely capable of that based on the Ferguson fight. Who's ever done that to Ferguson ever? Let's say mm, it was let's, well. let's say that's a 75% version of Ferguson, you know, that he's not as good as he was. Let's go with the pessimist arguments, which I disagree with. Let's say that's a 75% version. I don't think anybody was doing that to a 75% version. We've seen a 30% fucking Usman out there still do really great <laughs> to go back to that meme. I don't know. So I, I think um, I think it's Justin Gaethje's case to make that, A, you can keep it on the feet, but I think it's going to hit the ground at some point. And I think he's going to be in real trouble when it does. So I, I think about... <clears throat> Yeah, I do too. And I think he's a way better striker than Habib. I think the reason why Habib has success striking is because everyone's so worried about the takedown. They don't worry about what's going on. So when yeah. he's landing punches, it's actually guys just bracing themselves for the shoot, for the shot. And um, I, th I think he's able to last in Gaethje's world on the feet a lot longer than, say, a Habib could. But is, is, the, takedown, like, is the takedown threat lesser against Oliveira? I yeah. think so, but you can't completely forget about it because he got Ferguson down every single round. You know what I mean? It's Yeah. NCAA it, wrestler, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, like, you know, standout. You know, one of his favorite, uh, Eddie Bravo's favorite students ever. You know? It's crazy. So, Oliver's yeah. going to have a big year next year, man. You just, I can feel it. It's going to be... Yeah. I, I keep comparing... Because if he doesn't for you, beep. If he doesn't fight Habib, he's going to end up fighting McGregor if McGregor beats Poirier or something like that, right? Yeah, I, I really think so. I mean, somebody who's on the title 
Hunt right now. I mean, he literally is the the Gilbert Burns of 155. He's got mm. the same background in terms of being a BJJ standout with dynamite hands, can knock out people. Um, and it, it's a real resurgence for both of them. I mean, you look at their 2019s versus their 2020s. Yes, uh, you know, he had already made the transition in terms of Gilbert Burns moving up to welterweight. But 2020 was where you really saw it come together. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't see anybody beating Oliveira right now. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, he went from a 2019 where I could have said, eh, I really like him. I think I think he, he could be. Well. He could be your 2021 fighter of the year. I mean, he was nearly on the 2020 list for most people, right? But it just feels Damn. like it's all, he's like a coiled spring ready to explode. <laughs> Viper, baby. Just <laughs> ready to strike. We'll have to see what happens. Um, let's see where the comments are at with this one. So I'm going to actually pull it up over here because it's really fine print if I try to read it on your screen. So um, people are talking about Nate Robinson, Jesus Christ. Yeah, let's get away from that one. I think we're going on too many rants here because people just aren't saying that much. Connor sleeps Gaethje. Well, there you go. Actually, I think that could he happen. Could. Because yeah, that's the thing. Absolutely. He's a straight shooter. He goes for straight shots right down the pipe faster and the first few rounds, I mean, Gaethje doesn't back up, you know, comes forward. Connor, Connor's fighting like sparring just boxers at the moment, as far as I know as well. Like he's f- mm. like professional boxers. That's the, the vast majority of his sparring partners are just professional boxers. He's after enlisting the help of uh, Phil Sutcliffe. Now Sutcliffe was in the camp for Cyborg, but Sutcliffe is a two-time Olympian, a bit of an Irish boxing legend. And he's been like one of the most prominent guys in his camp um, this time around, like a way bigger role apparently than the last fight so um, I think if Poirier doesn't get him to the ground I think Poirier's going to have a lot of trouble with him on the feet and I think anyway like I honestly think and I know you're going to say this because I'm Irish but if you look at the people in that cluster without Habib um, Oliver is the biggest threat I think and um, if the rest of them want to strike with Connor, I think they're in trouble yeah I mean it's, it's always this first two rounds right <laughs> anybody that's going to strike with him uh, and, and I think that's the big thing. Again, going back to him fighting Habib, if you can start to answer some of those gas tank questions, then the Habib fight looks a little more interesting. A little more. But Gaethje, Gaethje goes two rounds with Habib and gets submitted. Connor goes four, and no one's saying Gaethje's tank is shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think because we've seen Gaethje go that far plenty of times. You've seen you know? Connor go against Nate. Yeah, but he did look gas in that fight. Because what happened in that fight? He was bollocks, actually. They were in bits. (laughs) So what happened in that fight? First few rounds, phenomenal. But the end of the second round looked like the first fight. Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's why that round was in contention for people. I I mean, he knocked down Nate Diaz twice in that round. So I gave that round to Connor easy. You can't take, you know, some smothering cage offense, which was fantastic. It was a great moment for Nate Diaz. But you can't take that over two knockdowns. No way. You just absolutely can't do it. He handily lost the third round. There was real danger there. And then yeah. it's kind of like Diaz took the fourth round off. I think if he would have realized the fight was that close, maybe he wouldn't have taken that round off. It was off. incredibly close. Very incredibly close. close fight. I still speak to people who had it for Nate. Um, I can remember I was cage side for it, and I didn't know who won. I was like, yeah. I don't have a clue. Yeah. You know? Incredible fight. So uh, that is a good point to bring up. But you look at the, you know, the Gaethje-Ferguson fight. There was no slowdown from Gaethje. I think what it was is just... Habib made a statement. It's like, all right, here's somebody we know has a great cardio, you know, gas tank. 
has great conditioning, and I'm going to tire this guy out in two rounds because that's how good my mm-hmm. conditioning is over yours, and I'm about to prove a point. That's the statement I took away from that because what did he do? He got in his face. He, got, he was just like, oh, you're going to be thinking about the takedown. I'm just going to get in your face and make you gas yourself out. He made him do all the work, made him carry his weight without actually being on top of him. <laughs> it's like magician-type kind of stuff. It's like phenomenal what he did. And that's, that's and Gaethje might have won the first round. I think Gaethje might have won the first round. Yeah, and, and, but it was still all part of Habib's plan because he was like, I don't care if he's hitting me once he's working, once he's working. And you're like, you are. How did you? Like, it's a masterful, masterful performance. It really is. It's incredible. I think it's another one of those ones that calls the the, the point scoring into it because I think that Gaethje landed the bigger shots. But at the end of that round, what happened? He got taken down. You were like, oh, this is going bad fast. Like, if there was like 20 more seconds, that might have been it. Yeah. That, like the first round, if that would have went for five minutes and 20 seconds, we could have had to finish Gaethje. You know, like it was just, it was that crazy. Cause that was the thing that I think made most people think that despite that really being the major success and he landed some shots of his own, but dude, did Gaethje land some bombs in that big old head of uh, Habib? Habib has a fucking chin on him. Like you rewatch that fight it's for free on YouTube right now. You can see the massive shots that landed on Habib and just didn't matter. Did, didn't do shit to him. Reminds me of like peak Anderson Silva. He actually yeah. had a couple H bombs thrown at him when Dan Henderson fought him. Walk through it. He's fine. It's good to go. No worries. No no problem yeah. whatsoever. It, that's what it reminded me of because it's like Gaethje puts people away. Habib, it's fine. <laughs> like what? Well, you you who do you think is favorite in a world without Habib to be the next lightweight champion? Oliveira. I think McGregor. Favorite to be really champion. Mm. What, and what I, never, I would have that? never thought. I would have never. I just think he matches up well with all of them, apart from Oliveira. But mm. Oliveira, Oliveira Gaethje is a tough fight. I think Connor's already won against Poirier, so the sensible money's on Connor in that fight. So he's definitely like uh, in my head, he has a better chance to be fighting for a title. And then, um, yeah, I think that's the fight. If it's Oliveira and Connor, that's. That's a class fight. That's an unbelievable fight. We should put some stakes on the uh, the fight, some sort of bet that we have to do on the live chat afterwards because I've got Poirier. So that should be a debate that we oh, do yeah? that week. Like we come in prepared, you know, try to come in with some interesting tidbits, even if it's <laughs> just for five minutes, but I think that could be fun. I've got personally Poirier because I think he's developed that much over that amount of time. I do think that Connor has one foot out the door, but that's – Fru-fru shit. <laughs> That's not like... Oh, That'd yeah, be a definitely. great thing for the division too, though. Like, uh-huh. I mean, if Poirier beats McGregor, he gets massive, he gets ascends into the stratosphere, to a new stratosphere. Like, and, and he nearly deserves... Like, he deserves a big moment, Poirier. Like, he's had a lot... Like, I mean, this is a guy that was asking for more money, didn't seem to want to get it. Now he's fighting the biggest money fight in the division, you'd, you'd imagine, or in the, in the sport, maybe. So... I certainly wouldn't be upset if Poirier won. I think he's great. But I think um, you bring up I, a great point. Like, what's what's Poirier's best moment? Holloway, probably. Yeah, and what happened that night? The fight of Just, the year. <laughs> like, you got screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, had a yeah. fight of the year oh candidate, but you had the fight of the year. The actual fight of the year also happened on that night. So it's like even his best night. You talking about him getting the spotlight he deserves? Well. He probably deserved even more spotlight than he got for that fight. And for me, that was one of my favorite fights of 2019, period. Brilliant fight. 
I watched that fight more than I watched the Adesanya one just because I thought Gastelum versus Izzy was not the same level of talent as Poirier versus Holloway, not because of Izzy's side of the equation, because of Gastelum's side, if I'm being honest. I don't see him as being championship caliber. But Holloway just got done going through the absolute best stretch of his career with the Aldo fights. With that, I mean, how, how good does Ortega look now? And what did he mm. do to him in that fight? Like, he almost killed the man. The ref, <laughs> yeah, he like, bent the shit out of him so how, bad. Yeah, like, how many stoppages did we complain about from a doctor's perspective? And nobody was just like, boo. No, we were all like, yeah, save this man. Ortega's about <laughs> to die. And then, yeah, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch, but genuinely. Incredible. And then Poirier does that to him. That I think that, for me, is why that fight stood out to me. But anyhow... I think we could go on tangents all day. I'm the one pulling us here. Um, it's like 8 p.m. your time, so we'll be respectful of that. Two quick ones. Justin Lynch wants to know about my bulge. I'm going to show you right now. You have to reveal your abs, though, here. So three, two, oh, no. I don't know why we got a super chat for that, but I appreciate you with the $4.99 one, Justin Lynch. Respect, $2 in California money. No post UFC 229 video. Sad at outcome. Tom definitely was. Oh, we didn't do an autopsy. We're actually working on a new format for that because ooh, somebody asked about the Brazilian channel and why there haven't been uploads there. My fault. That's my fault. We've just been so goddamn busy lately, and so we're looking at changing the format to where it makes more sense. So we haven't done an autopsy actually for like the last three or four events. So we're working on something now for that. So we'll, we will do something for the Connor Poirier fight. Absolutely. Um, Damn. Tom wasn't sad at the outcome. He just happened to be around some other people who probably were more sad. Some big Connor fans. He was on the True Jordy podcast, and they're big Connor fans. You know, they, they they run an excellent podcast, by the way. But anyhow, you got any final thoughts before we move it on, PT? I think it's time to wrap it up. We're at a solid two hours here. Um, no, I love you. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks for the cheese. Um. Yeah, Lon, I appreciate everything that you've done. Anything that you want to say? You want to say goodbye to the babies? Oh, always a pleasure. Good to see everybody. Thanks for being uh, very cooperative in the chat today. You guys were going off, so <laughs> in good and bad ways. You know who you are if you're on one of those sides. But no, it's good to be back. Good New Year. Good start. Excited for, for what we got coming this year, boys. I saw you uh, deleting a few comments that had to do with me, so thank you for protecting me. Good, uh, sir. You're a knight in shining armor. Yes. Um, no, I don't speak Portuguese, guys. Uh, the guy who runs uh, the, who does the translations, Cautino, he speaks Portuguese, and then I upload it to the channel. So, anyhow, I think that's a good note to leave it on. You guys are awesome. Respect everybody here. Make sure you join in the Discord if you like this kind of interaction. We've got that going on all the time on Discord. Make sure you check check out our Twitch streams. We got another video coming up tomorrow. We got a special video coming up on Sunday. I won't tell you any of the details, but keep your eye out on it. Um, that would be great. We're working on some really cool stuff that Tom's doing this week uh, here in the UK. Some stuff that PT's helped us out and been instrumental on. But you guys are absolute killers. Enjoy hanging out with you guys every single week. This is a lot of fun. We will see you tomorrow on the next video. Peace out, guys. <laughs>